0: and welcome back to some interseason goodness from the Sequelizers. I'm your host, as always, Jack
1: Chambers. And joining me, also as always, it's Matt Stockton. Konbamuwa, wa jackson, Amina-san! Anime wa psycho, And that's
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> that might be one of your more coherent intros there, Matt, in a language that is not your first. <laughs> there's, there's, there's some irony in there somewhere.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi, hi, hi. So does Sagoi,
3: <laughs> Sugoi! <Sukoy! laughs>
0: you hadn't already guessed. No, not yet.
3: <laughs>
0: Some people have probably already guessed by now. But also joining Matthew and me, it's Tim Mason.
3: Coming up later, it's the hot new trend among teens. It's called Japanimation, and it's not as innocent as it seems. Brilliant. <laughs>
0: so, uh, yeah, this is our episode about Japanimation, everybody. <laughs> hey, that's what we called it for a while. I, I remember. I remember those days. Even I'm old enough to remember those days. Mm. And I'm the whippersnapper in these parts. <laughs> I remember Toonami and Japanimation. Well, we will be discussing some animated films from Japan and some not so animated films related to those films. But before we get to talking about live action anime adaptations, I'd like to say thanks to our lovely patrons. You can go to patreoncom sequelizers and support us on a variety of different levels for ad-free episodes, early access, exclusive merch, merch discounts, bonus episodes and content, loads of good stuff. And if you support us at the upper tiers, the thirty pound or the fifty pound, you can become an executive producer like these wonderful folks here, Mister Mike Salvia. Wait, Mr. Stuart Main
2: <laughs>
0: Andrew Steen
2: <laughs>
0: Joshua Van der Sluice <laughs> The man known only as Zenos. <laughs> Our latest executive producer Josh Miles And the man who picked this very episode for us to discuss on this interseason, Mr. Jonathan Firth Clark. Thank you much for your support gentlemen we really appreciate it and uh thank you especially to jonathan for picking this episode for us to discuss live action anime because oh boy there's a lot to talk about and matthew i feel like this is a moment you've been waiting for since episode one insert crack knuckle noise here <laughs> the man wearing the anime hoodie as we speak yeah i'm wearing a sailor moon top okay so tim and i are gonna go, just gonna go for a break and we'll, leave a you to- we'll, we'll be back yeah. I, I know
1: a lot of people tune out. Now, basically, if somebody is really into or passionate about anything, there was a tweet about this recently, where if somebody says that they, they really enjoy the experience, where someone says, what do you think of this? And they go, okay, okay, so, right, hang That's on. That's every conversation with you, Matt.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: because I'm passionate about stuff. Yeah, you are. I yeah. appreciate it about you. That's But the problem is people will tune out at some point. You know, oh, I'm really passionate about baseball. I'm really passionate about Korean pottery food. Pottery! That's exactly it. Yes, food's, food's the thing we can all associate with because food's great. But there are always things people are passionate about that just ain't your shit. And we know in these interseason episodes there are times where we go off on tangents or we'll talk about certain adaptations and people go, I haven't seen that. And I'm not really that bothered. I mean, a perfect example was us talking about Bond not so long ago, where yes.
0: we're in this weird, like, we're of the age and growing up in the UK and all that kind of stuff. We just assume like, well, everybody knows Bond, right? Mm. Everybody has seen basically every Bond because your dad sat you down once in the living room and was like, right, son, you're going to become a man and you're going to watch <laughs> some James Bond with me. But actually, that doesn't happen movie. to everybody. Exactly, yeah. it doesn't actually happen to everybody, especially people not in the UK where Bond isn't such a, like, just instilled cultural institution yeah exactly such a cultural institution we can't i feel like we kind of take some of that stuff for granted and on the other side of things as much as it's grown popular you know over the last couple of decades or so i'd say anime and manga and like the the influence of japanese culture into western culture is still not as big as, as as it is outside of certain circles and certain certain groups of people
3: I I am very much the canary in the mine shaft here, uh, because I am bird
1: in the hole. You're the bird in the hole. Yes, the I, hole. Am, yeah. I am.
3: I'm the whole bird, um, <laughs> because I I have some familiarity with anime uh, and manga, but very limited. Um, and so, for people who feel like th- this episode is going to be out of their depth, I I am there with you, uh, and I will try and rein in our two. Uh, weeaboos if they if they get too far off the reservation.
0: Hold on, hold on, hold on. I think there's there's clearly three stages of hell to this, <laughs> to this <laughs> level of <laughs> weebness. There's it's very clear, very clearly Tim. I am very clearly in the middle, and then there's Matthew. There, there, uh,
1: well, there is yes. I I would agree and disagree
0: because... there, there's people beyond you, Matt. that the three of us it is very clearly that. I'm not saying you're king of the weebs. No, you're no. like. Prince
1: of the Weebs I'll
0: take it. Arc (laughs) Duke. I'll take
1: it. Um, No, uh, it's it's uh, the thing I was trying to get to was we're going to have to have a bit of an explainer first for those who are not uh, au fait with the whole thing. So it's going to come across as condescending to some people who already know what I'm talking about, and hopefully informative to those who don't. So the reason I think Jack is much closer to I am than he is and Tim on the spectrum is because Jack has been to Japan and bought a figure. Therefore, Jack (laughs) is as weeby as it gets. There's like a level to share. Jack has sir. seen Touché. things outside of the cliche anime, therefore he is. And Jack owns cl- clothing with anime shit on it. Therefore, a lot. I own like mm, four or five.
3: That's
0: <laughs> that's more than, more than one.
3: that's more than zero. Yeah, it's the okay, thing. of so, it's, it's, it's like it's like counting. If you're a cat lady, it's like if you own <laughs> if you own one anime figure, that's fine. If you own two, they're keeping each other company. That's fine. As soon as you get three, sorry, you're a weep.
1: You've got me there, Tim. You've got me there. <laughs> I, I mean. All you need is one anime figure with big old tits. And you're like, yep,
3: yeah, welcome. Each, each, each breast counts as two figures. <laughs> yes.
1: Okay, none of mine have those, thankfully. I'm, I'm, I'm quite tasteful. Yeah. So, to give a very, very brief explainer, a very... A potted history. I would, yeah, perfect. Thank you, Tim. Japanese animation has been around for decades, since effectively the 50s and 60s, as long as television has been around. Um, In the same way that animated movies in the West have been around forever. They have their own quirks, tropes, and traits that are reflective of that particular society, but also with a big global outlook at the same time. So they're quite relatable to people. Most importantly, they are very important for a very specific generation onwards. Um, Usually... Parts of Gen X, but Millennials onwards. I'm not excluding Gen X. I'm just saying that because of when these things became more available. So for example, for me, on the older end of Millennial, I saw a very limited run of animated stuff. So there wasn't anything on television. Pokemon was the first big, real, big syndication stuff, In if we're being honest with ourselves. Yes, Dragon Ball was around, but we're talking about mainstream television that everyone can see. You're talking my language here, yeah, Matthew. Yeah. Carry on. But before that, you had videotapes of what you could fucking get your hands on. and there oh, was the tape this, trading days. Yeah, the, <laughs> ma- deep, the Dark the days. entertainment. Mm. And that was the starting sort of starter kit of, here's Ghost in the Shell, here's Akira, here's um, a handful of other things, and that's it. You've got, you, you know, that, that's your starter kit. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it means I have a lot of fondness for shit. Um, like amon saga and vampire hunters and other bullshit like films from the 80s and 70s like really meh quality anime because it was very hard to get a hold of um and you have to sort of cut your teeth on stuff and the thing about anime is it's not just a case of ah it's all the same it's all boys in high school isn't it no Mm. the genres are as diverse as, it's like it's like comics you can make a comic or a, or even books yeah, it's all about superheroes right <laughs> yeah obviously that's all in it. it's all it's <laughs> and nothing yeah, else yeah exactly yeah so there's um music sports horror comedy slice of life stuff there's everything obviously it's just in a an animated format with the, usually with a very specific design uh that's quite often like or... hyper stylized and whether, oh, yes, whether that's so.
0: some of them go for a more realistic vibe and a more realistic style, or surrealist or yes over-the-top wacky cut-ins. There's so something we'll get into is kind of some of the signature yeah. aspects physics. and styles and, and yeah, lack of physics and mm-hmm. uh, shape-shifting expressions and all that kind of stuff. It's a very kind of signature style to anime. But, yeah, I very much grew up, as you mentioned, Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon were the first things I remember seeing. I vaguely remember seeing Sailor Moon when I was a kid, mm-hmm. but Dragon Ball was my thing, and I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. My buddy had a trampoline... Um, I think he was like the rich kid of the group who managed to befriend, and he had yeah, this a fucking trampoline, Jesus. Exactly, he had this huge like back garden with like a, a mini forest, like out on the land. Seriously, yeah, his dad his was dad's he an sl- earl? No, <laughs> his, his dad was like a uh, award winning architect. Wow, so he had Just the all, former money
3: of anime. <laughs> <laughs> exactly,
0: and for you to mention pottery because his his mum was a potter, like an award winning artist and potter. So
1: yeah, you're an architect, Harry. <laughs>
0: Anyway, we used to have, like, fake Dragon Ball fights on the trampoline. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, and I remember thinking, like, God, it'd be so cool to be in, like, Dragon Ball. And we would hang out in his games room, because, yes, he was that posh, watching <laughs> Dragon Ball, and I just thought it was the coolest fucking thing in the world, and I was, like, seven years old, and it was just the best. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I think I was the... F- my dad had just got Sky for the first time, and I saw Pokemon, and it blew my mind, and I ran into school like oh my god guys Pokemon it's amazing and I went mean, what the fuck are you talking about Jack don't be stupid <laughs> mm-hmm. was like no, no it's gonna be huge it's gonna be amazing look I've got these cards and I was like got these trading cards I've got seen the, <laughs> seen the cartoon I didn't know what an anime was at the time I called it a cartoon yeah. nobody believed me now who's laughing Pokemon Company and Nintendo. That's yeah, cool. exactly.
1: Those motherfuckers. <laughs> they
0: celebrate their 25th anniversary with a post Malone concert for some reason. <laughs> and then I think that kind of kind of transitions nicely into the the growth of anime. Like yes, yes. Um, Tim, Tim, as Tim as did well. you grow up at all with it? Like, did you watch any of the like Dragon Balls and the Pokemon's and the Sailor Moons back in the day? And the you know Toonami on Cartoon Network is kind of what I grew up with and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Not that Matthew.
3: Um, so. Age wise, I sit between you and Matt, and mm. I remember uh, very much what the the situation that Matt was talking about, and how you'd go into the Virgin Mega Store, and there yes. would be like uh, a world cinema slash anime section of VHSs, and it would all be like, and you'd be like, oh, it's cartoons, but they're they're rated fifteen, like <laughs> oh my god, um,
0: Sexy
2: ooh, gun blood,
3: yeah, and I remember first being exposed to anime probably like late high school kind of 15 16 um and it very much being in that kind of like it it, it felt like an illicit product that there was that was very difficult to get over here um by that time it had probably opened up because because pokemon was around by that point but that in my mind was very separated to Mm. what quote unquote anime was which was the kind of more adult side of stuff.
0: I, I definitely uh, didn't know they were the same thing for quite a few years. I had no yeah. idea that like Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball, Pokemon. Mm. And I think I saw, as you mentioned, Matt, Ghost in the Shell or Akira or something like that yeah. when I was really young, as I am tend to do apparently, the guy who saw Predator 2 when he was like six and was very <laughs> confused. The kind of like, your dad's fallen asleep and you're watching TV at two o'clock in the morning when you shouldn't be up and, oh, what's this? weird naked robots fighting each other i have no idea what's going on and and i'm way too young to even know probably what japan was in relation to like media and culture and stuff (laughs) let alone that they make a specific style of cartoon that is also in tv and film and it's all like yeah tied together
3: Mm. and and i was certainly introduced to a lot of sort of what were considered early on some of the iconic like more adult stuff I never got into Dragon Ball Z which I, I associated with people who had Sky which I think because it showed yeah, on the Cartoon yeah. Network so I didn't have access to it never got into it never really watched Sailor Moon never watched you know One Piece which is obviously getting more up to date now and stuff like that but um so my associations with it were the more adult stuff um, and like my friend Gwen who showed me Evangelion and mm-hmm. Akira and uh, a lot of stuff like that. which the thinking I man's I <sighs> Yeah, which I kind be of be-bop. half watched and didn't really understand, basically. And I had a few bits. I had a, a, a VHS copy of a one called Venus Wars. Uh, which I was, know that. Which was about a gang of basically motor, futuristic motocross riders taking on the government on Venus.
1: Tim, I have that on DVD. Excellent. <laughs> of course you do, Matthew. It is not sake. that good.
3: <laughs> uh which I I remember really enjoying, but I also found and continue to find that I I just bounce off a lot of anime storytelling and the same with manga. Like when I when I've got a around people to do. trying to read manga, I both the combination of the fact that it's reading in the the opposite order to what i've trained myself <laughs> top it's right, right to, to bottom left, left. and and yeah.
0: to say you're an experienced comic book reader i think is an understatement yeah me. and
3: yeah. i do i do worry that it's almost like because i've spent so long reading comic books mm. trying to ha- hack my brain to understand like no the story is progressing in a different yes manner is it makes it such an effortful reading process that i don't enjoy it um and i think there's there's a lot of stuff about kind of storytelling styles and themes that are important that are culturally relevant in Japan that just don't quite click into me. And so I've never, as much as I've been able to watch bits and pieces of anime and kind of appreciate the quality of the animation and quality of the voice acting and stuff like that, it's something that it's, I wouldn't say I have to force myself to watch, but if I have a choice, I'm generally not going to. To watch it just because I know that there is that resistance in my brain. Um, which I know, like, a lot of people suffer with things like subtitles, which I don't, I, I, I don't mind reading subtitles, but it's the, it's more to do with the story mechanics I find, um, that I, and, and the emotional arcs that I don't quite click into. But I can definitely remember, like, seeing it back in the day and, and being like, oh, this is, this is interesting and it's so different to what we have over here. Um, but unfortunately, that didn't equal a fascination. That equal that that turned into a just kind of like, it's not for me.
1: Which again, I think is not only completely reasonable, obviously, but also a lot of people's experience. Even now, people might go, they seem quite passionate about it. I'll watch something and go, ah, nah, I don't like it. And that and and again, nothing wrong with that. You can uh, if I'm saying, you know, what I really love, I really love uh, 1940s noir. It's fucking amazing. So good, so rich, so detailed. So, and it's like people watching go, "Nah, it's all little bit stupid. I don't really like it. It's not. I, I can see why it's good, probably, um, but it's not for me. And there's again, that's just the nature of preference. That's perfect fine. You can appreciate something as, why it's good, but the nature of uh, the the actual level of enjoyment that comes with it isn't a prerequisite. It's not just going to be guaranteed. I think early cinema and anime have a weird connection in that way, and
0: mm. I totally agree with you in some ways, Tim. That I find the storytelling methods mechanics and tropes in anime to be to put it lightly incredibly heavy-handed at times (laughs) and i think a lot of early storytelling in terms of cinema falls into the same problems whether i have i know i always say this but already had it spoiled by more modern references or remakes or reboots or sequels that i've seen since then you go back and watch like well obviously the butler did it because I know the butler did it, because <laughs> the butler did it is a thing in pop culture now. Yeah, You go back and watch a film where the butler did it, but it was the first one. I can't remember the example, Matt, where you, um, you talked about it was the mm. first time that somebody tried to start the car and it didn't work, uh, and it, it's, and it um, blew everybody's mind. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Double Indemnity, where they're like, it blew everyone's mind that the car didn't start in a movie, and now that is like the most overdone thing in every fucking <laughs> horror and zombie film, and just like, Come
1: on, come on, well, start, start, Well, obviously come the on. car's
0: not going to stop. Yeah, come on, come yeah, we just expect on, expect it, all well, that to kind happen. of stuff. Yeah, yeah last exactly. no, minute. Yeah. Whereas that was a, like a really interesting, revolutionary thing back in the day. Compare that to anime. I find a lot of it is very, very on the nose with visuals and yeah just like as you said tim like emotional arcs a lot of it is like very in your face like hey if you don't understand this here is the thing mm. this person is thinking this thing whether there's literally like a voiceover which is quite common in a lot of the more like a detective or like one i'm gonna be talking about later funnily enough you spend a lot of time in the main character's head and you get an idea of all of that kind of stuff and again is a similar to what we're talking about with the novel adaptations where you it allows you to get in the space of a character in a slightly different way and how the voice actor acts and how the animation is done and whether they do that thing in anime where they, like, over-exaggerate all the expressions and make them go all extra cartoony and in another way, seemingly sort of realistic, you know, proportions and all that kind of stuff. I think that's quite common in anime. And I've found that I put off in a couple of shows before where I've just like, yeah, this is not for me. Like, um, perfect example, I don't know, Matt, and I, you and I have talked about this before, but Pop Team Epic. Yeah. <laughs> I tried so hard to get into that show. I'm just like, "Ah, I just don't Uh, Google it. I'm not going to explain it. It's weird. (laughs) Just Google those three words. And it's weird, sweary girls voiced by different famous voice actors. This is the English dub I'm talking about because I'm a dubs, not a subs kind of guy. I'm going to get a lot of hate for that. I think I've said it on the show before. It's fine. But like really famous voice actors will just show up and be in that show playing teenage girls. And the voice acting completely changes every episode. It's completely standalone. It's all isolated and mental. And I was like, it's this, this is stuff. Yeah, it's all sketch comedy madness. And I was like, this is not my vibe. And this whatever type of comedy this is this is, this is not working for me. And so I, I, I think that's where I'm somewhere in the middle there are where levels, I, I bounce levels, off yeah. a lot of a lot of the kind of tropes in the style of anime in certain ways.
3: Yeah, I think one of the problems that I have is that there's times where I'll watch stuff and it will be so Unsubtle in its yes. storytelling, that I will feel like like this is uh, this is this is t- s- programs for toddlers, like when people <laughs> are just like you know, like literally just announcing their feelings um, in very obvious ways. But then there's also times where I'll be watching something and I'll be like, I am missing out on subtleties here because of the language barrier, and because of the cultural barrier, and so I'm and sure there's translation
0: stuff- issues from that language barrier. As well yeah. for sure.
3: So I'm sure there's stuff that I'm meant to be picking up on here that I just don't have the frame of reference for, or they've, you know, possibly done a poor job translating or or subtitling or whatever. And so it will simultaneously be a feeling of being like I'm being pandered to while also not being pandered to sufficiently. <laughs> um, and and I think there are certain cultural things that and this is where I'm going to wade into an area which I'm absolutely not qualified to, and I'm going to make some generalizations that are probably very incorrect. But um, I feel like Japan has a culture of caring about things a lot. Like, I know (laughs) that their work culture is pretty insane in terms of Mm -hmm. it's demanding. And similarly, their education is incredibly demanding and stuff like that. And I think it instills a culture where if you're doing something you care about it a hundred percent and like i recently a friend shared with me a um a clip from what i think is quite uh popular at the moment uh volleyball sports manga a sports anime yeah i believe Yeah. yeah um and it was like the two main characters realizing that like they wouldn't get to go to regionals and it's and and it's them like realising that and then one throws a ball at a wall and starts screaming and then the other one joins him screaming Just and they're both just running back and forward in this gym <laughs> and I was like it's just volleyball guys like I can't get my brain to that level where it's like it's, Wh- whatever uh, the
0: subject of the anime is that is the most important the thing m- in that world it's the
3: most important thing yeah. in the world Like it's a volleyball
0: anime volleyball is the be all and end all yeah. of the world
3: yes and I'm like I don't I there's nothing in the world I feel like that about <laughs> like I like doing this podcast but not, e- not
0: even your family and friends Tim I'm heartbreak
3: <laughs> but if like it's like oh turns out guys we didn't win the podcast award I'm not going to throw my laptop through the window <sighs> and then scream into the wind
1: <laughs> that is exactly what I will do if I don't win an award <laughs> it's what I have done when I haven't won awards um that's what I do when I would do when it was as well. I, I would like to make um, a comparison here because I think mm. this is a kind of important one. And I think it's a, this is going to be where I start to exclude a lot of international listeners for a second. And I apologise because this is a very... Paul
0: Bloom Governor. What you talking about, Matthew? British point like of view, Danny Apples and Pears? Shat on a turtle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Get, it works every time. Turtle? You've revealed yourself, son. We don't know what a turtle is. <laughs> Even a tortoise is pushing it. Um, delicious, Galapagos turtle. (laughs) No, so... (laughs) delicious. Delicious. (laughs) That's a callback for fans. Right, Um, so I would like to highlight something. Living in a post-World War II world, where we have the effective American empire in all but name. Bear with me here. I always point this out. When people say, oh, I don't like foreign films. Like, oh, would you not watch? Is it the language thing? No, I just don't. I don't, they don't. I don't know. Not for me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Before you Karen, this happened with the. Was it the
0: Golden Globes they announced recently, and it was like foreign language film, and everybody yeah. freaked oh, out. Minari, because, yeah, yes, because yeah. it's a up. film so produced, starring, and <laughs> written yeah. by a bunch of Americans. But whoops, some of it's Korean because they're Korean Americans. So Therefore, it's a foreign movie. Foreign movie.
3: And as people pointed out, about sixty-five percent of. Uh, Inglorious Bastards is in foreign languages, but no one thinks yep. of that as a foreign language film. It, thank you. It's exactly. Basically,
1: racism. Hey, so, is, it, is it a white language? Oh, no, it's not.
3: Yeah, yeah, there you go.
1: And and this is the key thing here. Whenever somebody says, oh, it's like, oh, what, 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 what's your film from Australia? Oh, might do. Can't think of any. And I'll name some. Oh, yeah, I've seen some of those. They're all right. You know, Mad Max and things. Sure, fine. Uh, what about like Quist- Priscilla Queen of the Desert? Oh, yeah, I like that in the day. You know, that sort of thing. And I say, well, what's your favorite movie? And without a fucking beat, they will name an American film. And I will say, you do realize that's a foreign film. They'll say, no, it isn't, because English people tend to inadvertently, subserviently look up to America. And so we have a very
0: special relationship. No, we are two countries. One's so I'm a big told bully by in the playground, a Prime, Minister, yeah. Prime Minister after Prime Minister. Yeah,
1: the Bill <laughs> Bailey reference. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's such a astute one. But the point is. I grew up on, as we all did in this country, American TV series making reference quite blasé and blindly to things that are important to American culture and really important things. I have referenced this many times on the show. Everything I experienced
0: is filtered through The Simpsons (laughs) or some American show yeah, and therefore has this, yeah, literally filtered American filter through it where like, oh, that's how America sees things. Like, Britons don't give a shit about the Vietnam War. They couldn't give a fuck about the Vietnam War. But I know a bunch about the Vietnam War thanks to like, Forest Gump and Apocalypse
1: Now and all this kind of stuff. It's yeah, like, because they don't stop talking about it. Yeah, even, exactly. in, even in cartoons, even inside like The Simpsons lost. for children. And <laughs> last year, But this is one I'm trying to get at. We will say, Japan is a very strange alien culture. We could never understand their ways. It's like, right, but you know what a 401k is, don't you? It's like, yeah, I do. It's like, why do you know what a 401k is? Because I mentioned in every TV series, I know escrow is on on, on houses. I don't know how the British mortgage system I don't know what either of works. those things are yeah. for recommend. Oh, okay. Oh, well, yeah. If you watch enough film and TV, there'll be so many plot Th- That points makes in... more sense. You've watched enough film and TV, because yes, <laughs> yeah. you yes.
0: never stop watching.
1: But that's what I'm trying to get to. In, in, I remember in things like when I was a kid where I watched watch things like Home Alone, for example, and there'll be so many references to things I wouldn't understand. And it sounds like such a small, innocuous things, even at the time. It's like, I don't understand. I don't understand that product. I don't understand what that does. And they'll make a joke to Tylenol. And I'm like, I don't know what a Tylenol is. Is it it a liquid? Is
0: it a powder? It blew my mind finding out that Americans have different names for, like, medicines and stuff. (laughs) Yes, Paracetamol (laughs) is just not a thing. And it's like, yeah, it's all branded because you have to pay for
1: everything. Yeah, Yeah. It's not just generic drug name. Yeah, and that's kind of the point. You have that whole life, but because we have more exposure to it, because there's more film and TV things, we become more aware of daily life American stuff. So, for example... People in this country will call it an ATM most of the time. You mm. won't say. it says cash point. That's what we would tend to say our, our version of it is, or ca- an automatic teller. Um, but ATM is what the kids will say to the point that, you know, kids will say Z every now and again rather than Z. There'll be bits, it's just exposure to it. Dragon and, Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, I had have to the same train
3: to. myself out as a, like a five or six year old out of saying hmm. Z because I watched so much Sesame Street. Z. Th- that's exactly it. Sesame now
1: Street, I, I found... Now I know my I yeah, yeah. with Z. Brilliant. And there's so many things you just are exposed to and you take on board. And this is true of a lot of European nations. Um, you will just get, you know, oh, everyone knows about, you know, Mr. Rogers. And it's like, who the fuck is Mr. Rogers? Yeah. And then you, you don't actually see an episode of, what's it called again? In the neighborhood. Sh- Mr. Neighborhood. neighborhood. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. Not a clue. I have yeah, no yeah. idea. I yeah. know We've who never Mr. Rogers it. is. We see no idea what the show I've seen is called. Never seen an episode. Seen, yeah, I'm aware Compacts. of
0: references.
1: Yeah, yes, and that's the point. And the same same thing goes for anime. In the same way, it's, it feels like it's being quite reductive in certain points, and why it's being quite on the nose. It's like, yeah, that version is that's for kids. Um, whereas you can say, like, as we mentioned, uh, well, mentioned off screen, Satoshi Kon and his films and like oh like paprika and perfect blue and Millennium actress and things like that and you're like oh you've been really deep shit they watched five times around and like, I think I get it I think maybe I don't get it and that's the point there, there can be subtlety it depends what you're watching and that again it goes it back huge. to the to the comic book comparison of
0: like yes, yes. it's not a genre it's a medium Precisely. It's, it's, a, it's a it's a style and it's a medium and you can have anime for adults you can have films for adults you can have films for kids you can have anime for kids you can have, for kids, you can have novels and comic books, and video games, and fucking everything—picture yeah. books, whatever it is—for kids, for adults, for teens, for young if adults. If you can sell it to someone,
1: they'll make a version for someone. Exactly. Mm. Yeah,
3: and and that is a part of that is a cultural thing in Japan where both manga and anime are accepted as being a lot more versatile mediums they don't they aren't tend to the, you know we still here in the west still very much think of oh it's animated it's for kids uh and, or occasionally like it's oh it's you know rick and morty or whatever or the simpsons sure. you know but that's a that's but, a recent trend yeah the the idea that there are like comic books that you would read for journalism and stuff like mm. that is very like obviously there are western versions of that you know joe sacco and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. to the majority of people the idea is like oh no comic books they're a they're just superheroes and b like they are not they're for kids it's like no it's a it's a medium it's a medium that can tell any kind of story and Mm. can be for anyone and that is a lot more accepted for both for both manga and for anime in japan
1: yeah, it's it's always that, that exact conversation and someone slides you a copy of Mouse and says, really? Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's the, it's, it is very much the case. That, and it's, well, It doesn't help that anime is not only what they call long-form TV series and short-form TV series and films. And you're mm. like, oh, fuck. But I think Tim sort of nailed it there on the head. It's the nature of prestige and how much appreciation you give it, how much attention you give it, so, for example, if you went back time, 20, 30 years, and told little versions of us the biggest movies right now are comic book movies, the biggest actors, they make a billion, the most, all the money, everyone wants to emulate them as parodies, comedies, everything, and it's all about big superhero stuff. You would say, huh? Because it's, it felt so alien. And anime is at that point whereby over the last 20 years it went from being dirty degenerates. I mean, we're still about... <laughs> um, degenerates only, sort of like, oh, it's weird. It's, it's such an exclusive thing to still very niche, but much, much, much more accepted in the public forum, and getting more traction every day. Yeah, absolutely.
3: And I think there's there's a generation, the the kind of the Generation Z coming up, and probably even your your younger millennials. I wouldn't be surprised if Jack kind of falls into this corner of people who grew up reading like you used to see so many like when i was say 20 there'd be so many 14 year olds reading manga in bookshops just like yeah. devouring bleach and death note and stuff like that
1: mm-hmm. and
3: to them they're, they've grown up in a world where a there's a, a lot better accessibility there's stuff like crunchyroll yeah. and stuff like that um that that means that that yeah, media the, the, the advent the, of
0: streaming services is huge yeah.
1: whether it's you don't know these shit people about like, downloading things that are fans
3: yeah, sub fuck you ad,
1: right <laughs> yeah
0: I remember having to download separate ST, SRT files to then add that was sub, subbed by a bloke from somewhere you don't know you're born lad. some indescribable fucking username Yeah. And And
3: even, uh, I mean, pre internet, you know, the idea of like, oh, you know, there's there's this one specialist shop in Birmingham that you've got to go and order it from. Yes. You know, and you've got to hope the bloke likes you because he's, you know, he's grumpy as fuck. Um, And a bit creepy. Yeah. Inevitably a bit creepy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So accessibility is so much easier now. And there were places like, you know, your your Waterstones or Borders in, you know, the US and stuff like that where people Mm -hmm. would just sit around powering through manga and you know buying that kind of stuff and i think there's it's going to be fascinating seeing the kind of medium the kind of animation that's produced in the west with people who are a lot more literate with japanese culture and anime in the Mm. next 15-20 years i think it's it there's going to be a kind of merging together of of the two
1: yeah we did see that briefly and we still do see it but the big key one was Avatar The Last Airbender where people go that's an anime it's like mm. it's, it's it's Nickelodeon it's not, mate yeah, yeah. It, and I love that fucking show but it's not anime because it's not and then also there's now anime coming from China it's like is that anime? it's like mm.
0: not yeah there's Korean really. and Chinese yeah and so you have like Manhua, which is the Korean version yeah. of mm. manga so it's like this whole other mm-hmm. thing but mm. it has it has an, it's distinct enough in style and obviously because they're culturally different in that way but well, they obviously still are that the part of Eastern Asia where there are still some similarities in in, in sort of like traditional storytelling structures and things like that that obviously mm. go back thousands and thousands of years
1: that have then been spread yeah. the across our, that area of the world.
3: Our fiction is different to France's fiction, but there's a lot yeah. of exactly cross pollination. Exactly,
0: you All can still Europe.
1: pick up yeah, yeah. Tintin and Asterix and go, oh,
0: there you go, comic. Yep, I remember Asterix when I was a kid. In the same way, that I remember yeah, seeing. Dragon Ball manga. You're right, Tim. That I've Weirdly enough, I went and used to get it from the library. I would go up to get the bus to Norwich because I didn't live in Norwich and I'm a country boy originally <laughs> and then go to the, the library and either sit there and read them in the library or if I couldn't finish it, take them out, take them home with me, rent them and then bring them back. So I didn't actually buy much manga when I was a kid but I would always read a lot and I mean a kid, I'm probably like 14, 15. When I was like first allowed to go out, by myself go to the big city oh my god (laughs) off to norwich go and hang out near the forum like a cool kid for the norwich listeners you know what i'm talking about i definitely did that when i was younger and i weird enough i came to anime first and then read manga probably later on as a teenager and i had already read comics up to that point but i don't know there's this almost opposite of what happened with comics where like i kind of feel like i grew out of comics and wanted to be a bit cooler and then but manga was like the cool version of comics it's the japanese stuff it's the the hidden secret stuff that not everyone knows about so you feel in your nerdy circle of friends you feel you feel extra cool and extra special like it's the same shit 14 year old jack don't 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 get carried (laughs) away
3: (laughs) yeah see i i I was pretty much the same except instead of like manga at the library i was reading preacher and stuff like that um you know and that that
0: was i read preacher as a Twenty-six-year-old, yeah. <laughs> no,
3: did she was not a teenager. <laughs> to, yeah, uh, does not I, I translate well to a very
0: them. liberal twenty-six-year-old.
3: Yeah, I would look down on all the the emo kids with their skateboards who were just reading like plowing through Dragon Ball and stuff. <laughs>
1: yeah. See, this feels like a really good transition to our next point, which is partly in, getting into the nature adaptation itself, because th- yeah, that's what we're, we're actually talking about live-action versions, and we haven't, but that's because we need to cover a lot of ground here. So, so much history and legacy there, isn't there? Yeah. So, the key point is, as I said earlier, if there's someone you can sell something to, people are going to want to tap in on that. It's like when say, oh, these companies are being fantastic. They're really representing diverse, uh, different groups. No, they're not. They're seeing another market they can sell to. Say, oh, we've got these amazing rainbow cups. Yeah, fantastic. They just, sure, they support. In inverted commas, but it's mostly so they can appear to an appeal to another demographic while selling to another demographic. It's just a case of marketing bullshits. It's, it's commerce, it's capitalism. But if it gives you good stuff, you tend to go, eh, well, you know, I mean, I'm getting my fucking adaptation of this. So the thing is, at present, there is a very strange situation where the studios know that people like anime and manga. There is a big thing. If you go to a convention, fuck me. The amount of products and money that is made <laughs> yep. from people like... Me, basically. Um, It's like, wait, so these people are happy to buy any old manga and anime shit, as long as it's Japanese, and they will go to Japan to get it. And it's like,
0: yes. Or to go out of their way to import stuff or find a guy who can import. Like you said, Tim, it would be that guy in Birmingham who had that specialist shop who knew a guy who knew a guy who had been to Japan six months ago. So he's got the latest stuff because... (laughs) six months ago in Japan is like four years into the future.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a prime example. There is a, uh, this, is, this will strike mostly with the, the Patreon pick himself, Jonathan firth Clark, but also other people who hopefully listening. You can buy something like the Twilight Zone on Blu-ray. The whole thing, like 40 or 50 quid. Tons and tons of episodes. If you want to buy a 90s anime show that runs for maybe, say, 50 episodes, you're going to pay £80 for it. Because the <laughs> Japanese pride themselves as Tim mentioned earlier on things <laughs> the qualities have has to be really, really high. um, so if you're like, oh it's second hand, it's worth nothing. it's like th- what's wrong with it? There's a crease where on this bit of seller tape, oh my God, okay, whatever <laughs> absolute
0: used half price,
1: yeah, I'm like well yeah. that's okay i'll I'll just I'll take advantage of that, thank you very much, but they uh, still, I mean, there's a huge CD culture still in Japan, as in for CDs for music. So a new CD will be sixteen, seventeen pounds, and you're like, how is C- a, a physical Get Spotify, fucking CD? You nutters! <laughs> but they are very much about that thing. So the, 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 again, the, the second hand market and things like book offs and hard offs, and that's what they're in the shops. It's all pristine. <laughs> Sounds like
0: we're making that book off and hard off. I no. we promise we're not. It's real. That's
1: their little jingle. That's. I'm that level. It plays weak. in the shop all the fucking time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fucking insane. Okay. So there's a huge market. There's tons of money to be made, but the studios don't understand it. They just want to buy it. So they'll say, what's the most popular stuff they have? This stuff. Okay. That doesn't line up with Western storytelling. That's too, as as Tim was saying, that's jarring. Can we fix it? It's like, yeah, kind of. So you end up thinking, what's the most Western style thing we can find? technically, And you get up with things like the ones that are always in development hell or have been recently sorted out, which is Akira, Cowboy Bebop, Ghost in the Shell, a few other bits and pieces. You won't say, what's one? We should get a harem show uh, like fucking um, Love Hina or something. Like, Mm. nah, that ain't going to fly for a while. We're not going to do that one. (laughs) Um, What about Attack on Titan? That's going to be a really tricky one. It's the most popular thing out there. Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, 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 uh. We'll come back to that one. I mentioned Full Metal Alchemist in my... Mexican film, previously. Yeah. And again, the Japanese made a version, which we will definitely come into in a second. So there is a, there's a hunger to do it, but there's a problem because there's a, as we're now transitioning to, the nature of adaptation. So a lot, most successful anime is an adaptation of a manga or a light novel. And that basically means there's a comic first, which is made into an animated TV series. Sometimes when the animated TVs become so fucking popular like The Adventures of Psychic k which is about a psychic purple-haired high school kid, and it's all very comedy-based. And you're like, oh, okay, there's Chihayafuru. It, Chihayafuru? I, think so, I think it's what it's called. Uh, which is about this fucking poem-based card game. There's a very big, huge, you know, highly rated anime series about it, and therefore there has to be a live-action movie of it. And these do not really leave Japan. These are not films that get shown a lot outside of Japan because... Because they're foreign films, as we discussed. They're foreign films. <laughs> Um, but you will have probably heard that there was a fucking Scarlett Johansson movie with, you know, in Ghost in the Shell. Because that was something we thought we can nick that. We can make that work. Enough people know uh, Ghost in the Shell and it's got robots and stuff. And yeah, we will work. That'll be fine. it be fine. It's easy. Except the problem is you end up with what these most things tend to do, which we'll come back to. You end up with the surface of it all without the inner workings. And it's like, here you go, son. I bought you a working robot. So it's a hollow <laughs> shell. It
0: ah shell it ties well into that was pun matthew that ties Mm -hmm. well into what tim was saying about like missing the subtleties and stuff which is not only from like western consumers i think that's very true of western producers western directors Mm -hmm. western yes writers screenwriters trying to adapt all this kind of stuff and whether you lose some of the original context and the original references and the subtleties that are built into the original anime or the manga or whatever it is and some people even say like, oh, you got to read the manga. The manga's much better. You get way more from the manga. It's a thousand issues where they only did 50 episodes of the anime or whatever. So you then get the manga readers who are saying like, oh, no, no, you need to do this. You need to, the real version is in print. And then you get a live action version of an anime and all the anime guys go, no, no, no. the real version is the animated version. <laughs> and then you get the Western version of the live action. Of the, no, no, the real version is the Japanese live action version. And it just gets like more and more diluted, I guess, is in a way. Yeah. Like going through various different, even if it's the same creator, like you get the original mangaka or whoever it is, which is the name of a, a person who writes and creates manga, m- monitoring and executive producing, or whatever it is. It still gets filtered and changed and goes through many different hands of various producers There's and people. There's money and involved, kind of
1: stuff. man. Money involved. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Um, and it, especially in recent months, I you talked about Tim, the the advent of streaming services now adapting and and taking up anime outside of just Crunchyroll and Funimation and all the kind of big translation things. Mm. Fucking Netflix has Netflix original animes. Yeah. And some of them aren't based on manga, like Japan Sinks for example, original anime. Like it they have this whole thing where Netflix is suddenly investing in having their own animation departments and all this kind of stuff and and helping produce stuff in japan and co-producing stuff with western studios who co-produce with japanese studios for a netflix audience so you know mm-hmm. oh it's not too japanese is it? it's going to translate well to the american netflix subscribers as well and it's this whole other thing the fact that netflix is arguably the king of streaming at this point like stepping up to the plate and really kind of investing in that and to the mm-hmm. point where They're competing with Crunchyroll and Funimation, who are owned by Sony and are now both owned by the same company (laughs)
2: because
0: they recently merged. So you think, like, yeah, they are. You think that would be like the monopoly of anime, but you've still got Netflix actually fighting back. And because Netflix is so powerful in the streaming world, they actually kind of stand a chance and are really producing some really cool and interesting stuff.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, the way that stuff becomes kind of this photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy is is built around money as we've said you know oh, it's yeah. because there is an assumed much bigger audience you know the the audience for an anime or or uh, or stay, say for a manga to start with is okay well it's it's basically japanese people and then once we translate it it will go out to the world and we'll get a few people watching it okay sure. it's been turned into an anime that's a wider population because it's you know it's easier to redub and you know that kind of stuff there's more people who are watching anime than there are reading manga. Okay, now we're going to turn it into a live action. Okay, there's there's a wider audience for that, possibly. Um, Some
0: people think animation is for kids, so we yeah. kind of want to capture those people. And, and like, yeah.
3: by the time you get to, we're going to adapt it for a Western audience, probably with a Western production company, you have a much wider assumed audience because especially Western cinema audiences aren't going to go and necessarily see an adult animation in the cinema, but they're more willing to see you know Scarlett Johansson kicking ass or whatever but that means there's so many more executives and producers who now have money on the line who are putting their ore in and saying like oh can we tweak it just so it's a bit more friendly to a wider audience and everybody's Mm -hmm. everybody's looking to make it as as generic as possible (laughs) in a lot of ways you know as as welcoming to newcomers and so what made the original special gets diluted down again and again and again and like you say, Jack, there's so many... They're, they're, you then have the people who actually like the original go, well, this live-action film's like nothing like it. It's like, yeah, because it's not for you anymore. It's for mm-hmm. the people who weren't going to read the manga or watch the anime originally. And you have to have something with a huge audience for it to be worth making a... Or or, or at least a very noisy audience uh, mm-hmm. for it to be worth making something that is actually... A, a truly faithful adaptation you know even even the mcu takes a lot of liberties with the source material but they understand how to a how to keep the fanboys pleased for the most part mm-hmm. and b the parts of the original that work that make them that, that will work for wider audiences and then they take out the stuff that's like okay well this is in the original but you know that might you know it's harder to sell people on. that's why you know there's a lot of criticism of the MCU. It's like, oh, it's playing it safe, you know. And now we get stuff like *WandaVision*, where it's like, oh, it's finally stretching its legs. It's like, yeah, it took 20 films making hundreds <laughs> and like making literal billions, billions and billions of dollars the box office for the
0: highest-grossing ten- film franchise of all time.
3: Yeah, people were like, oh, *Guardians of the Galaxy* was quite weird. It's like it's not that fucking weird and it took them to it they had to make the avengers you know in order to in order to to be comfortable making a slightly out there space opera and you yeah. know they had to make infinity war an end game for them to make a sitcom parody that's actually you know a superhero story it's like yeah yeah things get things get watered down a lot. And especially when you're changing cultures, especially when you're removing stuff from the cultural context that it was originally in, things change so dramatically.
1: And this is the key point here. And this is something I'm going to circle back to over and over and over and over. It is, the, as I said earlier, the nature of adaptation. And we talked about this in the adapting the books thing. It's the same thing for adapting anything. If you're doing a cover of a song, do a version that sounds like you doing it. Do your version of the song. If you just do a cover that sounds exactly the same, you'd be like, eh, it's fine, but the original's better. If you do something dramatically different, sure, it'll piss people off sometimes. They're like, oh, I prefer the original. Yeah, but at least you tried something different. And this is the key point with the difference between a Japanese live-action anime and an American live-action anime, and I don't think either of them get it right most of the time. One is about purity and complete loyalty to the source material. One is about the idea of nothing must change it not only has to look the same the hard costumes call. and everything yeah yeah the shots have to be the same and again we have lots of nods in like comic book films now of what the comics look like, it's like the costume sorry look like in the same way that you were the self deprecating what did you want yellow spandex in the 2000s and now we got oh shit you know this character finally has the you know the low comic crown. comic accurate yeah costumes it's, all over the it's place it's not comic accurate yeah. really but it's an approximation yeah, well we're they, he's, with he's got the he's
0: got the Loki's got the horns. So yeah. that's that's comic book accurate, right? Yeah, oh. but it's not the loose cloth
1: shit. I um, know, but people say yeah. like, well, oh, yeah, yeah, he's got right. the yeah, horns.
0: That's it. accurate. You know, like, but that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, the, but, the Japanese mean, will want his, his the loose belt cloth. Is
1: different, though, isn't it? <laughs> yes, and they'll want it like <laughs> cosplayers, basically. Yes, and that's not I, a bad I, thing.
0: I have that problem a lot of the time with the live action stuff. With they have a lot of shitty wigs because anime hair is mental, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, famously just makes no sense and defies gravity so everybody's wearing a bad wig and then they have these like anime accurate costumes you're like you just look like cosplayers and that really puts me off <laughs> <Like, laughs> i can't not see a bunch of i've been to comic conventions i've seen cosplayers in real life this is
1: weird it feels it's, it's weird a, it's a credit to cosplayers but it makes the film yeah exactly cheaply.
3: yeah and that's that's a problem you know that we're we're seeing and that like Disney with its recent spate of live action adaptations of previously animated films they've mm. tried to avoid that they've tried to you know if you look at belle's dress in beauty and the beast the original versus you oh, know belle's yeah, dress yeah. In, in the modern remake there's some substantial differences because they realise trying to do a flawless recreation will just look weird and i think that this is another hurdle uh, that matt kind of started to touch on here is that the storytelling tools that you have in animation are quite radically different to what you have in live action. And Mm -hmm. if you just try and do a complete recreation, you're going to have to rethink actually so much of the storytelling because there are elements that are purely in animation that you can't recreate in live action and that if you did try and recreate they would look so weird you know it's it's the same way like you can't just take you know um it's it's like those horrible like real life versions of homer simpson or the kids from south park where it's like if you just made a human look like that but with realistic skin textures it's a Mm. bloody nightmare fuel
1: which is where we are now with detective pikachu i know it's separate things slightly but it's Actually, no, it's not. That is an anime live-action adaptation. I think it's a video game adaptation, but it's also a live-action anime adaptation.
0: Sort of, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's tricky. That that, that crosses the line. That's a whole other thing as well. Yeah.
0: So it's originally a video game that was turned into an anime, also a manga, and then a Western live-action version is based on one of the video games. Yeah. But a lot of the mannerisms and the noises and the sounds and the nostalgia that it's playing on is tying into the anime. (laughs) So it's a live-action anime adaptation based on a video game that has an and anime property. based on it.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: welcome to media in the 21st century. And this is kind of, the, kind of the frustration with the whole thing. Where do you allow change? Because, as we will come back to you later, if you try something different, people will fucking crucify you. If it isn't accurate to what they have in their head you'll get slaughtered for it. And again, should you want that? We talk about the Disney live-action remakes. Better or worse, positive and negative examples. The ones that tend to succeed are the ones that do things slightly differently and understand the material going in. Now, I'll tell you some things, uh, two, two things, in fact, I want to say very quickly. The first thing is a personal experience because I have an award-winning live-action anime TV series. Uh, well, web series, i say. And the key point there Starring is...
0: Starring Tim and me.
1: <laughs> True, and no one else. Uh, right. No, it's true. Um, but it's 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 a way for me to, to do a very silly, fun show, and it has cartoon physics. Uh, it has emulated cartoon shots. They're jarring at times. They don't always work because it's a very strange thing to do visually. But if you're in on the joke, this thing. And when I explain it to, I mean, let's face it, boomers. If I explain it to people who don't <laughs> get it, I'll say it's a live action anime. Anime is a Japanese animation. Oh, okay. I'll just say to them, it's kind of like Tom and Jerry. And they'll go, oh, okay. And I'll say, Do you remember Space Jam? Yeah. It's like Space Jam. It's a cartoon, but there are people in it. Like Mike Mary Poppins. Oh, yeah, there yeah, we go. And they get it. That's how you translate it. It's like that's how it works. Because that's actively trying. And the thing with my show is it's meant to be like live action set in anime universe. So it's very much full-on filters and very colourful. And the tropes of a story thing and the and, and, and the character tropes as clichés they may be, are all in there. But it, the conceit is, it's a cartoon. That's how it works. And because of that, I know what I'm doing, and I'm a fan of things, so it works very well. And it's not enough to ostracize people who don't know. You can still say, ah, I get it, cartoon physics. It's fun. It's about assassins. And it doesn't, there are nods in there to tons of anime, uh, you know, sort of Easter eggs, but you don't need to exclusively know them to understand or appreciate the show. You can understand, like we're saying about, like with, um, like, you know, walking into the middle of Infinity War, it's not advisable, but you can, you can get along with it. And one of the cast members, a friend of ours from um, a separate podcast, Super Power Hour, um, Ben, he was saying, I was rewatching some ev- Evangelion recently and I think you should do more of these things. And I said, oh, don't worry. I've got plenty more stuff planned, which leans into much more of the tropes, more of the expressions, more of the reactions, which is tricky because some actors are like, I want to perform this way. I'm like, yeah, I know you do, but the anime, all I need do is go, oh, that's all I need you to do. One, one expression, go, oh. And it's like, but that's, I would probably go, I see. Hmm. Yeah, that's too much acting. I need you to go, oh. Why do you need to do that? Because it's cheaper to animate. Yeah. But I'm not an animation. Yeah, but we're trying to pretend you are. And that's fewer frames to animate. And so Ben was saying, you should make it more like Evangelion. Have the back of people's heads more and tons of talking on a still shot. I'm yeah. Because like, that's how you save money. You don't animate the lips. And that's why you have so many anime cutaways to a stream, because that's really easy to animate rather than dialogue syncing up with voices and stuff. And it's like, I do lots of that stuff, but the problem is if you do too much of that, people say, "Wow, well, this guy can't direct. That's, that's lazy <laughs> shit directing. That's just, he can't do it. He's it? like, no, I'm, that's when you're too far towards this source material homage. Now, this leads me to my second point. Three of the best anime adaptations are not actually anime adaptations. They are either inspired or have been drawn from manga stuff, but they are, in fact, technically fully versed in people who understand what anime is. And when I say them, people go, oh, well, obviously not. Obviously them. They don't count. The Matrix, Pacific Rim, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, they don't count, man. Mm. Huh? <laughs> they are literally anime adaptations. When the Wachowskis were going to Warner Brothers, they said we want. To, they showed them, I believe, a copy of Ghost in the Shell and said we want to do this but live action. And they said that's impossible. And we said we'll make it work. And Pacific Rim is a giant mech thing. They made it work. Edge of Tomorrow is a literal comic. You, it's people don't know it's based on on a, on, a, on a manga. Hmm. A, kind of, is it a light novel or a... Uh, it's both. It's yeah. both. It's, it, it's, um, yes, it's... it's it, all You Need Is Kill is the yeah. original title. Yeah. But it has been adapted yes. to a, a manga as such. And which, the visual was then called... What Tom Cruise calls the it when, yes. when he discusses it. Exactly. Yeah. But that's the point. When you see the, the alien creatures, they are dramatically different to what you end up in the movie because the movie version wouldn't work like that. And all of them, all three of those movies, whether they're better or worse, or what do people think of those movies... They understood the concept of what was being shown in the source material, what needed to be got across in terms of, mm. here's the cool visuals, but you also have a lot of things here riding on family, a lot of things riding on honor and duty and the collectivist mindset of we have to all pitch in together, as well as hardcore philosophy shit. That's where the Ghost in the Shell adaptation that Rupe Sanders did with Scarlett Johansson falls down. It's I think it's really good in terms of its visuals. I think it's a fucking cracking film visually. But fuck me, there's no. It's got a revenge amnesia plot. It's shallow, than, right? It's, it's, it's very there's shallow. There's no depth and no no because it's too interest from the original. It insults the audiences because the studio's like, yeah, look, we invest a money in this. We don't want to push people away with this fucking talk about existence, you know, existential crises. It's like. The Matrix made all the money. People will get it. Listen, mate, you're not Christopher Nolan. You're not allowed to talk about
0: fancy, fancy <laughs> stuff, all right?
3: Yeah, it's about getting to the thematic and emotional heart of what makes the story great in mm, the first place. Mm. And then, if you get that right, you can take a few more liberties with the storytelling and the mm-hmm. design and stuff like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw out yeah. a an analogy here, which Ooh, shit, I think uh, Jack is gonna is gonna light up at. Is it wrestling? No. Not quite not quite that in Jack's wheelhouse. This is going to be an angry Jack, but like a pleased angry. Sign me uh, up.
1: Holy shit, okay.
3: Zack Snyder's Superman is basically a Western live-action version of a really successful... It's like if... Brilliant. He has basically yep. approached it like a Western director doing an adaptation of manga, where he's like, yeah, I've got all this, the uh, the visual cues in there. It's fine. It's like, have you understood the character? No, nope, doesn't matter.
1: I've lit up, Tim. That is <laughs> that is very astute. It's like I've got the comic. I've got the cloak. I've got the. Uh, He's got an S on his chest. Yeah, I've got the yeah. reference. I've got him dying, come back in a black suit. I've got everything. <laughs> oh, oh, it's you're like, so right, and I hate it so much. That doesn't mean anything. And and again, talking about yeah, the, him and the- Batman are fighting. They've never met before.
0: Yeah, I know, but they're fighting. That's what's important, right? They, yeah. And Batman has a big like robot suit. Yeah.
3: Look, there's this Ro- really popular. Look, I did my research. This this comic's really popular, and it's got Batman and Superman fighting. I've seen
0: Batman in a big robot <laughs> suit punching Superman, like doing that thing where you know that's that's Slagable. the whole thing, yeah, right? Yeah. That,
3: that was that was volume eighty nine in the in the in the Superman manga. You know, like yeah. you've got to you've got to have the storytelling up to there. It's like no, people just want to they just want the big popular stuff.
1: No, bring me World's Finest, where they're both skiing down the slope with Robin having a great fucking holiday. Give me that first. Then you can give me
3: <laughs> Bring me the episode where they watch the weird dick aliens uh, having sex <laughs> while in the Fortress of Solitude, and then they cuddle uh... up afterwards.
1: I mean, that might be in the Snyder Cut. We don't know at this point. Um, a- a- as a comparison, as again, we should point out that this isn't even just a case of like, oh, some directors don't get it. Even directors of anime don't always get it. So... Example of someone who does fucking get it and I'm very impressed with. There's a guy called Hideaki Anno and he is a fucking cool boy. <laughs> he created um, a handful of things, but the one that everyone knows him for is Evangelion or Neon Genesis Evangelion, which was a TV series in the 90s. That most people can't pronounce. Yeah, exactly. And it's fucking ridiculous. And the show limited him because it's like, look, running out of money, running out of time. Your stuff is too weird. And so it led to these huge shots of elevator rides that did nothing in silence for like five minutes because they had to <laughs> the time. But it became really nuanced because of it. And he's had like three cracks at the ending. Um, but the point is, his directorial style in the animation thing of how he sort of lay it all out is fucking genius. It's amazing and incredibly traumatic. And most of what an Evangelion experience is, is about the trauma and the madness. It's more about the, it's closer to the fucking shining in terms of the, you know, the psychological pain (laughs) than it is robot stompy smash, smash, smash. The Transformers, shall we say, for example's sake. He directed recently, at this point, 2016, so five years ago, Shin Godzilla, arguably one of the best Godzilla movies. Agreed. I believe
0: we talked about this before.
1: Yeah. It's fantastic. And he brought the exact same mentality there. There's a lot of anime angles and mindsets and stuff and framing that he would use in Evangelion at the same time. The difference is he knew the limit of what the medium could and could not do. Um, Because obviously animation, uh, this is going to sound reductive, but I'm going to say it. Animation isn't real. Um, (laughs) so, So audience suspense of disbelief is much easier. It's all fake. Therefore, you don't have to worry about what's real and what isn't. It's when you've got the uncanny valley of pairing fictional and impossible things with what's real that you go, hang on, this isn't right, this isn't a thing. It's the floating fucking heads and like you know, uh, uh, on a, on a CGI body, which is what we call live action now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's kind of the point. But he knew what to what to compromise. But the, the the core of the the narrative structure, the core of the commentary about politics, the jump cuts to, oh, don't worry, it will never make land. We're fine. Cut to a man coming up saying, it's just make for. Land for. And cuts the premise going, oh, turning the camera. And it was like kind of a smash cut straight into his face. That feels very anime. He just needs a big old background behind him in multiple colors and explosions and, oh, but that's too much. That doesn't work for this particular medium. I'll tell you who does do a good version of it, really weirdly enough, and why his stuff with his, um, in stop motion works well. Wes Anderson. <laughs> he knows if you're going to control the environment, and if you want to say, like, oh, we're going to throw an arrow, pew. <laughs> You cut to an hour and it looks like a cartoon. It looks mm. but his worlds are so unique in how they exist that you go like like much with my web aforementioned web series Super kill time. You go in from the get-go understanding that this isn't meant to be hyper realistic. It's not going for complete photorealistic effect. It's not going to convince you that this is real because that's not the point. And animation is so much easier to get on board with that. It's why the Disney live action remakes don't always work because you're like, nah that's stupid. So, even someone like Arno, for example, who's created one of the best Godzilla films and one of the most popular and rabid fan base anime, has transitioned in interesting ways. He won't make a direct shot for shot comparative to sort of remake. And I think it's that spirit you need to capture that idea of what works, what doesn't, what's important, what do we keep, what do we avoid, and what makes it what it is. Why do people like this other than, you know, boob physics? <laughs>
0: I think that's key to a lot of adaptations. And again, we touched upon this in our mm, book to mm. film adaptation.
1: Is very much so
0: less so, and again talking about Zack Snyder here, like less so doing a shot-for-shot shot thing like he did with Watchmen, but capturing the feeling of something or the meaning of the or the themes or whatever it is, capturing that thing that is interesting and special about that particular thing in that in that story in that medium and taking those things and Making it in the new medium using the tools that are appropriate for that new medium, but keeping the, the feeling and the themes from the original entirely. I've got like got the, Watchmen, compar- the Watchmen TV series compared to Zack Snyder's Watchmen. Yes, you then have like the comedian being like a cool kind of anti hero badass, and Ozymandias is kind of a cool anti hero badass, and Rorschach is a cool anti hero <laughs> badass. <laughs> That's not the point, Zach. They're all terrible fucking people, and that's the point. But no, it's all big shiny superheroes, and some of the shots in the film are literally panel for panel, shot for shot remakes of the comic. Therefore, it's good. Like, I think you misunderstood this, and I think that's key for a lot of people taking something that is so inherently embedded in one particular medium and taking it to another. Yeah. Is you got to understand what worked about the story and why people why it resonated with its fans. And with the creators and you know whoever else enjoyed it, yeah, and adapt it; hence the name adaptation into the new medium with tools that will allow you to make it appropriately and not just like like you said
1: to me a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy kind of thing. I'll I'll tell you a prime example that isn't anime but is another one people might be able to relate to you, Jack, especially. Hello, that's me. So. Another transition, another adaptation. I know we're straying away from anime a bit of a tangent here, but it's it's worth mentioning. As I said before, understand the limitations as well as the strengths and weaknesses of the industry or the medium you are championing, shall we say. You're saying we said this before but in the in the literary adaptations. Yeah, I know we can't get the, you know, the absolute internal workings of the character. We can, but not in the same way, but we can do a really fucking cool chase sequence. Great. Now, how do we Get this off a stage where everyone's okay and understands it and make it work in a movie. I think it's fur technology.
2: <laughs>
1: and, and then you buttholes. end up with <laughs> and buttholes. And you end up with, wait, what? So for example, a musical is nonsense. There are things that work in a musical on stage because you're in the room and you feel that passion. you it's a, there's something very transportive about the theater. Then you get a film, which is a film musical. It's the same thing. It's cool. It's big, vibrant. I'm now seeing them on set in the fucking Austrian Alps. Oh, it's so different to being just imagining it in the theater. And then you get to the point of what Tom Hooper was, I guess, trying to do and and could probably do if he was actually fucking smart about it in Les Mis, which is have them singing on the day, but with the pre-recording in their ear, which he didn't do. If you had a pre-recording in the ear, they had the time. Which he should have done. Because then you get the performance. The performance is there. That's using the film. That's why it was good. And then you have cats. And <laughs> cats yeah. is the ultimate example of like, no, you should have. I mean, I'm not saying you can't. You could have adapted cats. Anyone could adapt anything in theory. But this adaptation of cats was also Zack Snyder looking at Superman saying, yeah, I got all the songs. <laughs> they're all cat people. The backgrounds are
3: sometimes real, Sorted. sometimes they're not.
1: What's wrong? I got Judy Dench. Problem what the fuck solved. is the
3: problem?
0: Ian McKellen, Judy Dench problem solved.
3: And here's the really weird thing to bring it full circle. I bet cats would make a fucking great anime.
1: (laughs) Tim, it probably exists. (laughs) Just to give you a spectrum of anime in terms of range and stuff. Samurai Pizza Cats. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I watch a thing called Bananya. It's designed for toddlers. It's about a cat who's a banana. Banana, yeah, yeah. But I also watch Donyatsu. And Donyatsu is about a cat who's a donut... But only because there's a nuclear apocalypse where there's been like some huge mech fight. The only thing that survives are cats shaped like food. But they come across skulls every now and again. And like, ah, a ball to play with. It's like, no, but what the fuck is this world? I mean, that, that,
3: that just sounds funny. like Adventure Time. So you know, <laughs> that's
1: true. Yeah, and that also would work well as a Tom Hooper musical. <laughs> <laughs> fuck off.
3: So, anime. Manga, these are all storytelling traditions with a lot of history, but have evolved to suit the modern day. And uh, for our ad, I'd like to tell you about another thing that's got a lot of history, but has evolved to suit the modern consumer. Today's episode is presented by Clarks. Clarks' story began almost 200 years ago, when Cyrus and James Clark made a slipper from sheepskin. At the time, it was groundbreaking. A combination of invention and craftsmanship that's remained at the heart of what Clarks' does. From the very beginning, Clarks has always thought differently. Brilliant ideas are what sets Clarks apart. We are teaming up with Clarks and Podgo to bring you up to 30% off on select items, including on the iconic Clarks Desert Boot, by going to podgo.co slash Clarks. That's podgo.co slash Clarks. Get yourselves booted. That's not part of their ad <laughs> copy. I just thought I'd throw that in. <laughs> it's
1: good. I should point out and this is a complete uh, bit of anecdotal nonsense. In the Apple mentioned before times of a long long ago when I was, you know, buying anime VHS, I was wearing Clarks shoes.
3: I'm damn tempted I may well take Clarks up, up, up on this offer because I need a new pair of boots and You're Clarks Cyrus and James. Clarks makes some quality footwear, so you know.
1: There you go. It's it's like it's a very iconic Britishy thing to have. Clark's shoes. Again, all my school's school shoes were Clark's until yep. I was a teenager, I think. So. Go
3: into that. Get your foot measured by the robot. Ah, oh, the
1: robot. You think it's going to crush your feet and then it goes, oh, this is quite comforting. And then you become Tarantino.
3: Yep, that's where your fetishes come from.
1: <laughs> so, gentlemen, should we talk about some
0: live action anime adaptations? Yes. I think I might kick things off. We've talked about Netflix. We've talked about Japanese live-action anim- anime adaptations and Western live-action anime adaptations. Oh boy, I've got all the adaptations for this one based on an incredibly critically acclaimed and popular manga series and anime. Let's talk some Death Note, shall we?
1: Back to that 101 starter kit. Yeah, basic bitch anime. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's
0: because it's fucking good. It's fucking brilliant. One of my it's wife's favourites. One of my favourites. It's It's brilliant. <sighs> I'm not married to you. Tell that to your wife. <laughs> I mean, I tell her.
1: She's she's starting to suspect, but I tell I her saying
0: I'm not married to Jack, but like,
1: yeah, good. Thanks, mate. She's sitting there chopping vegetables. Thanks. I'm not married what about to Jack. Tim. Mm. Oh, mm. Tim, Tim and I have known each other a long time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm a big
0: fan of the anime Death Note. Watched it. I want to say sort of five or six years ago, probably. Just absolutely binged it and tore through it and absolutely loved it now own the collected edition of the manga and have been reading that uh, bits and pieces here and there. Not read the whole thing, I will admit. And the 2017 American Netflix movie <laughs> Death Note is a hell of a thing because uh, I, don't know much, spoiler alert, I don't know much about the other guys' choices here, listeners. Mm-hmm. I have seen neither of the adaptations nor the animes from these other two picks. So I'm going some basic bitch stuff. This is, if you know anime, you've probably heard of Death Note. Basically, there's this kid who gets this book, this little like textbook shaped thing called a Death Note. And if he writes a person's name in there, they will die. And it's this like magical power gifted to him by this god of death. That's the very, very basic premises of it. And that's about where the adaptations stop. (laughs) Yes. There is a god of death called Ryuk, who is like this uh, Shinigami, which is this Japanese, like, uh, traditional demon kind of god thing. And a main character is called Light. His first name is Light. Surname changes, depending on adaptation, because <laughs> America. Sometimes it's Yagami, sometimes Turner. Hmm. He's always Yagami to me. Yeah. It blew my mind he was called Light Turner. Like, Oh, yeah, this is set in America. Why is he called Light if it's set in America? <laughs> that does make Nobody's calling their kid a light. People aren't really calling the kids light in Japan either. To be fair, <laughs> but, true. So, th- so there's there's two from again from what I understand. This this is going to get hefty real quick. Whew. I think there's 37 episodes of anime, sure adapted into multiple live action Japanese things. You have the two main Death Note and Death Note Two live action films, mm-hmm. which were around about the same time as the anime. Then they spun off into a mini series and another film that came out a couple of years ago, which I've not seen. I've only seen the first two, but basically it takes like one of the original characters and spins him off into his own thing. The the, like antagonist, essentially a guy called L because there's a character called L because anime. And and then there's like the, the next generation or something like that, which is such a fucking nineties bullshit (laughs) title, which is literally like, Oh, the next kid inherits the, the magical book that lets him kill people, and he carries on the legacy of the original character, and blah 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 blah. The Netflix movie is ninety-five minutes long. <laughs> it tries to do everything in ninety-five minutes. It's one of the most rushed and unexplained films I have seen in a while. And we talk about bad sequels on this show
2: <laughs>
0: on the regular. It is unbearably fast-paced and doesn't care to explain much of anything at all. Like, some characters are Japanese. Don't know why. Some of them aren't. Don't know why. Some of them have weird names. Some of them have code names. Some of them are born into secret military programs to build the world's greatest detective. But let's not talk about that. (laughs) Let's talk about this other thing. Wait, what? (laughs) Oh, yeah, he was raised in an orphanage to become the world's greatest detective. Why is he fucking Batman? Are we not talking about this? He's just saying that, like, it's a normal thing. Like, what the fuck is going on here? It basically tries to do sort of an adaptation of, like, the first half or so and then skips right to the end for a bit, all in 90 minutes, and it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. And it's available on Netflix. <laughs> and weirdly enough, there are some really strong performances, and really cool and interesting. Um, the The way, again, they've translated it to... The medium of live action really kind of works in certain ways. So the director uh, Adam Wingard has done a really great job of turning the kind of thriller aspect of the original. Movie. It's very much like a light. The main character is battling against L, and it's a battle of wits and minds, and it's a constant cat and mouse chase and all this kind of stuff. He turns it into more of like a horror thing. It feels more like Final Destination, Omen style at times, where like mm-hmm. he cranks up the gore and all the the deaths that that Light does in, in the Notebook. People get decapitated by ladders off the back of trucks. And that's in the first like three minutes. And it's a full on like it takes off the top half of his head, leaving his lower jaw still attached to the rest of his body, exploding head. And this guy's like a teenage bully. And it's like, oh, okay, cool.
1: just explode his head in the first five minutes. The Sam and... Raimi Spider-Man. Yeah, <laughs> It's what everyone had initially assumed it was. be. It's like, here's the school bully. And it's like, oh, I'll just dodge his punches and then realize i maybe going too far. Nah, it's Sam Raimi. He's going to fucking chainsaw his face. <laughs>
0: well, speaking of Sam Raimi, Willem Dafoe is really good in this movie as well. Mm. His version of Ryuk actually kind of works and the mm. character is mm. fucking terrifying. Like He's kind of, not quite comic relief, but kind of like way more... Humanized in the it, it, he has way more time to become a character in the manga and the anime, mm. Mm. so you learn about his likes and his dislikes and all this kind of stuff. And he likes to eat apples, so light always brings him apples and stuff. In the film, he's just eating apples for some reason, you never understand why. It's
1: a reference, <laughs> and he's
0: it's all just referencing to the original. And he's just lurking in the shadows, and you never see him in full light essentially. Mm. He no pun intended, mm. he's in the shadows, and just his glowing, like demonic eyes. Whereas in the Japanese live-action version, he looks like a big fucking potato. <laughs> and he's fully CG, and it's real weird, because that was 14 years ago, and the Netflix film was made four years ago in 2017, and we've come a long, long way.
3: It's it's such a shame, because I, I haven't watched much of Death Note. I've watched the first like two or three episodes, and like you say, it's very much a cat-and-mouse game between Light and L like light is doing horrible things but is kind of like he's basically like a vigilante who's been given like the genie's lamp kind of thing oh um, yeah,
0: pretty much yeah. and so
3: there's a lot of like ethical questions and stuff in there it, it, it's really interesting and I I again I kind of part of me is like I wish I hadn't bounced off of it because I bet it's a really interesting story as it goes on and the Netflix version like the cast if you'd have told me that was the cast for any other movie I'd be like yeah that's a really great mm, cast like the, mm. Nat Wolf, who's the who plays Light in it a young actor I like I've seen him be good in other things it's got Keith Stansfield as, uh, as I love uh, this who's so good. Keith
0: Stansfield is the best thing about this film Agreed. his, his portrayal of L is fantastic although they do kind of forget it towards the end so L <laughs> has all these weird like he sits with his legs like tucked up on a chair oh, and yeah. he's always like unaware of like um, personal space and stuff mm. he's a very almost like intimidating figure with his quirkiness and his weirdness and Lakeith does an amazing job translating that and even taking it from kind of like very weirdly japanese in the original mm. version to like he's an african-american guy portraying this character mm. and mm. just it just works and you believe him mm. and then sometimes he's just cool and normal again and you're like mm, okay mm. you didn't quite nail it but i that is thats by far, no fault on Flicky Stanfield because yeah. I absolutely love him. Yeah.
3: But the 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 thing that's very clear, even to me as someone who's watched barely any of Death Note, is that like everyone's actions in it are incredibly deliberate and thought out. And yeah. you need that time. You need those thirty-seven volumes of you know of anime or, or however many volumes of manga to to show everyone's thought processes and to show the efforts they're going to. And if it's if it's just powering through the plot. You'll lose it. You're losing. You're going to lose so much.
1: It's a key thing here. Okay, this is, this is mostly for people who've not experienced this, don't know what we're talking about, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. For for the people who are, are struggling through this episode, and uh, we salute you. You're doing a very good job. Death Note is fantastic as an anime. It's one of those things people recommend because it's so good. It is very anime at times. At it one is. point, Light is a classic cliche. Is that yep. Light is talking about how clever and genius he is. <laughs> because he's writing cleverly without being seen, even though he's being monitored. He knows he's being monitored, but he's not giving away, he's being monitored. And he describes He's writing it. with his
0: right hand. Yeah. I'm writing, <laughs> I'm
1: writing like, my homework with the right hand, but left hand I'm writing killing names. You can't stop me now. And he says, I'll be so innocent, I could take a potato chip and, and eat, eat it. it. <laughs> and then the music goes, <laughs> and Ryu looks like he's having a fucking orgasm because like, this is hilarious. Um, it's nonsense, but it's extremely well-executed nonsense. And more importantly, you start to realize that although the premise is Wait, what happens if you could have a book? You could write someone's name and kill them. You kill the pedophiles, convicts, kill them all. You know, in, in and a point this is where it goes back to the Japanese society against like these people are not further in the collective. These people are not part of the high. Yeah, line. Japan is a very collectivist. Yes, society, isn't it? Compared to a more individualist mm. kind of society yeah. we live in the West. So you are a burden on society. I can get rid of you, NRB. I should be thanked for it. And so he has an alias called Kira because it sounds like killer. And he they do that in the.
0: American version because he wants to trick people that he's Japanese (laughs) yeah yeah. see
1: that's where it gets justifying when he specifically says
0: that out loud (laughs) in the English language because it's a reference I don't know if you get it it's a reference right so the original is Japanese so he uses a Japanese word isn't he really a japanese word it's kind come of a the phonetic they have, it,
1: they have a, the word for borrowed words I come with it, but yes yeah it. yeah yeah it's a phonetic obviously of the word so, killer but
0: and he's like well i'm just gonna get a bunch of criminals to to write japanese kanji in in prison and then everybody will think i'm japanese like what yeah
1: what Why, what but at the same time the story starts off like that in the anime and the manga and it becomes more about a chess game between two vastly intelligent individuals who are both kids. And because the kids are not listened by adults, and it's that classic adults don't listen to kids sort of thing that you immediately relate to, and teenagers especially. And so you have one teenager who is like, "I'm doing the right thing. Here it is. I've got my system down." Another teenager who's like, "Well, I'm releasing information. Uh, I've realised that um, you have to have certain things. There are there are little rules." And the other teenager figures it out. It's like, "So first of all, you're only doing this." During these hours of the day. Therefore, you're at school. It's like, fuck. You're also doing it at this time, which means you're probably in Japan. Fuck. The people you've mm-hmm. killed have all been in this particular vicinity. Therefore, you're probably in this area. Fuck. <laughs> it's, it's genius. And, you, and therefore, you, you see it a up. little bit of that again in the live action. Again, with, no time. The,
0: the reason I'm not talking about the Japanese live adaptation, everybody, which I have, like I said, I've seen the first two films, it's a way more faithful adaptation of the anime and manga than yes. the American version is. And that in general is very true when it comes to these live action anime adaptations you tend to find that the japanese language live action one is way more faithful and tries to stick obviously has the advantage of being like more culturally related to the original all that kind of stuff but and they tend to stick more closely yeah they tend to stick more closely to the original and then it somehow finds its way in the hands of a western producer <laughs> and you're like ah oh, here we go
1: here's where it all changes and what the kids really want is this and you're like oh no i mean case in point when death note came out i was uh i think i was in the states when i saw it um because it was advertised with californication uh, by the red hot chili peppers because that was actually <laughs> in the end credits of the movie for some reason didn't work but it fine I remember at the time really liking the visuals for Ryuk and stuff like that it was great but they said right from the get-go this is going to be three films Two films cover the actual uh, events, and the uh, third one is—I don't want to give away the ending because people should genuinely watch it. It's basically a prequel. It's like what happened in between. Literally, yeah, it's a spin-off with L and yeah, a few other bits and pieces. It's what happens yeah. in between hour, an hour and forty-five, and an hour and fifty in that movie. It cuts away to this point, and a whole fucking film takes place. And it's like, oh, okay. And again, it's that nature I said earlier of 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 um, cultural awareness. The fact that Japan already knew what Death Note was, you didn't have a lot of, you know, effort to get up to that point. And the, the the thing is, we will bring up the. This is obviously this is the best chance for us to talk about the difference between Eastern and Western adaptations. I think Rupert Sanders, as I said, the the Ghost in the Shell film is. I remember on a plane to Japan with my friend Ben, and he said he watched it on the plane, and thought, "Oh God," and he watched it and said, "It's fine." It was just fine. It, it, it's fine. I could see why they changed certain things. Didn't change enough. Didn't have the actual conversations they needed to have. They didn't understand the core of what this thing was about. And with the Adam Wingard version, that's the the Netflix version of of Death Note. It's an interesting alternative accompaniment. I don't think it. I don't think in any way the the toxic sort of fan based mindset of we're going to send death threats to fucking Wingard and drive him off the internet. The typical that you know you you ruined it. It's like. It's fun to talk about these things when you say, "Oh, I'm gonna make a video about how shit that film is." And it's like it's just it's just different, and the original still exists. It doesn't hurt you, and that it exists. It's just not very good because although there are certain changes made, it feels like a lot of the translation, shall we say, uh, didn't work out the way it could have. And I can see why they were changing up for you know for a contemporary modern audience. Maybe all and again, it's who are you trying to who are you trying to bring in here? Are you trying to get the money from the people who've already seen Death Note? are you trying to get money from a new audience? And if you're trying to get money from a new audience, they don't care. They think it's weird enough as it is. They're not really into it. Maybe some are like, yeah, it's all right. But it's not good enough for them to be like, now I'm a fucking weeb. Well done. And what it especially does, you mentioned the the cat and mouse thing
0: between L and Light. Mm. The whole point is that they're like literal kid prodigy genius oh, type characters. And Light Turner just like gets detention and is just a bit of a dick and doesn't really have a plan. And the whole point of Light like, Yagami you know, is that he's super calculating and planned and all this kind of stuff. And that's what mm. again, kinda of spoilers, but like makes him not a great character. In a kind of mm. breaking bad Sopranos kind of way. He's very much the anti-hero. You can see, like, is is he doing the right thing? He's kind, And then does he go off the deep end? Is he still making the right choice? Is L actually the good guy in all this? But you're kind of rooting for the main character because you spent all these hours building up this protagonistic relationship yeah. with
1: them as a viewer and all this kind of stuff. And the film just does none of that, basically. Well, this brings it back to what Tim was saying earlier. And a very important point Tim was saying earlier. And This is probably the best example of that. The difference in terms of narrative form, but also the cultural influence. So for example, our Western mindset is we want to tell a story about a disgruntled teenager, but they have to be relatable, relatable everyman teenagers. You know, a little bit good at this, a little bit good at that, a little bit, you know, out of place. And it's the kind of horoscope shit where you describe it and someone can go, Oh, that's me. <laughs> it's like, no, that's not. That's not you at all. Yeah, but I can identify with that aspect of that person. I had detention once, therefore... Yeah, I I felt disconnected as a teenager and a bit lost and confused. Oh, well, welcome to all of teenage fucking fiction and literature (laughs) and film space and these things. It's like, oh, I can relate to Ted Hughes stuff in the 80s and the fucking Power Rangers because it's the same thing because I'm a teenager. It's like, I mean, I guess. And the Japanese side of things is the intensity. It's not enough just to be this could be anybody it's like no no this couldn't be anybody this could be you because you're the most earnest heartfelt driven individual and you are going to be not only the fucking the, the you know the the one with the most heart on the field you're going to be the fucking best you're going to be Ichiban, number one motherfucker, and that's how most shonen anime starts. I'm going to be the best Pokémon trainer. I'm going to be the Hokage. I'm going to be it's like always I'm going to be the best. I'm going to fight the best. I you... wanna be the, the <laughs> best. The opening line. And 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 even in like Dragon Ball, the only thing driving Goku most of the time is I wanna punch more people because I wanna be the best and the strongest. Oh, he looks like the strongest. I'd like to fight him because then I'll be the strongest. Right? And even if somebody, I mean, you have like lots of like um, psychological horror style anime, which is like, I'm weak. I'm not the best. I'm the worst. It's like, but you have it in you to be the best. You can become the best. And that's when you get to Evangelion territory of like, what makes me the best? Your father torturing you. getting in the robot, Shinji. And it's, <laughs> that's the whole point. It's like, you know, the pressures of society. And that's where you, the, the nuances that Tim was mentioning earlier. That's all sort of like, what, what am I not getting here? It's just a kid screaming in a cockpit for an hour that's the point. That's the pressure of society. We all get that, but we don't see that specific version of it. So the Death Note adaptation, that's live action. He's just a kid. He's not bad guy. It's like, Light's a fucking psychopath. (laughs) L is also a sociopath, but they're both not you, but you can understand them and you, and the fact is you don't know. And then Jack said earlier, who is the protagonist of this show? Is it the guy who's killing people? Because not only is he killing people like criminals, he ends up killing people to cover up his own stuff. Or is it the guy who's literally trying to figure out who he is? And by doing so, saying, Do you have to see me specifically? And he puts a criminal on a TV screen and says, Hello, I am this person. It's like, OK, well, he didn't die. So you must know, you need to know their exact name. Name or like, There must be something here that we're not getting. And it's like, Yeah, but you're still sacrificing people's lives. You're still playing a game. And that's where he literally to-
0: describes yeah. it as a game multiple times. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and even when he reveals to him, I know who you are. I know you're Kira. And it's like, what the fuck? It's like, yeah, but I'm gonna keep this going because I want to. see how you react. That there's a great line in the Netflix
0: film, okay. which is, "I don't play for check. I play for checkmate." Oh, it's like, mm. yeah, yeah. That's that's, yeah, that, that's that is cool. a good line. That's a, yeah, that's a really good. line. That's he approaches him just out of like, L just appears out of nowhere. Is like, I know you're Kira. I've worked it out, and uh, I'm not gonna arrest you yet because I play for checkmate, not check. Which that's makes like, sense oh, and also so cool.
1: It'd be good uh, in a series reveal episode seven of a. 10 episode thing, as opposed to 30 minutes into your hour and a half movie. and you're like, doesn't <laughs> yeah. really strike that you haven't built the report. Not saying it's impossible to do so, but yeah. So that that's, uh, I can see what they were trying to do and I will give them credit for trying, but I won't say your film is good because it's not a good film.
0: I agreed. Yeah. And to uh, put it into perspective, um, back at our good old friends, rotten tomatoes, Death Note, the Netflix movie has a 38% on the old Tomatometer. We- Ooh, that's actually higher than I thought it would be. I mean, I'm thinking because it has cool effects and kind of looks quite nice. And, and again, people aren't going to be like the fanboy fan rabid and stuff like,
1: it needs to be like this. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense.
0: Uh, the first Japanese movie has 78% and the second Japanese movie has 80%. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: I'd say that's okay. I'd agree with that.
0: Yeah. Compare that over to, I guess, what is the equivalent of like IMDB for anime, basically. My anime list. Mm, yeah. It is an 8.63 overall, which is an aggregate score. That is not a Mm. (laughs) Tomatomata-style percentage of positive reviews, blah, 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 blah. Um, And is ranked number one in terms of popular anime (laughs) ever (laughs) on that site. So quite quite the difference there, ladies and gentlemen, Mm -hmm. from the most popular to 38% positive reviews. And now you understand (laughs) why people wanted to fucking adapt it. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Tim how about you
3: so i struggled with this because as we as we said earlier i haven't watched a lot of anime and yeah, yeah. uh before we decided on this topic or rather, before jonathan requested this topic i <laughs> had not seen a live action adaptation of any anime i haven't watched the ghost in the shell film which mm. probably the the most widely seen it's the most mainstream i would think yeah yes So what I ended up doing is I went back to some of the anime that I've seen and tried to find one that had a live action adaptation uh, Mm -hmm. that I could watch reasonably easily. And just to kind of give myself a a little bit of a grounding in this area. And the anime that I decided to watch or the the live action anime, I should say, and I did, I I rewatched the original as well. Uh, is Blood the Last Vampire, Mm -hmm. which is interesting for a lot of reasons because Mm -hmm. it is one of the rare anime that is not based on a pre-existing concept, not based on a manga. It was, uh, a studio basically deciding, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna try something. We're going to do a film, uh, and the original is only 45 minutes long. It's a short film, essentially, but I mean, it was shown Mm -hmm. in cinemas in places, but. Basically, we're going to come up with an original concept and we're going to see how well it does. And Mm. (laughs) I put the words original concept in like heavy quotation (laughs) marks because it's not a particularly original concept. The Apparently, the thing that inspired it was like, oh, we've drawn, drawn this picture of a Japanese schoolgirl with a sword. He's like, that's brilliant. That's so original. We're going to make that. It's like, really? That Nailed feels it. like that's... <laughs> if you asked people to Everything. imagine what's, what anime was, that's the picture that they draw you. Uh Anyway, but that <laughs> evolved into what ended up being quite an interesting movie that is set on a... Or primarily set on a US military base in 1966. And it follows a half-vampire Japanese girl who has some connection to a mysterious government agency hunting these vampires on this base and the uh, sort of basically at the the school for the children of army personnel uh, mm-hmm. that exists yeah. there and the school nurse kind of gets she's basically kind of like the the human point of view character she gets kind of caught up in what's going on it's a beautifully animated Uh, film really really good looking it's one of the first that used digital animation um most of it looks like traditional 2d animation
1: tim is referring to the animated one at this point yes yes not
3: not not the uh the 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 live action. action version most of it looks like traditional 2d animation there's a few bits like planes taking off that you can easily tell are digital animation but i believe it was the first uh, Japanese production that used all digital animation, but obviously still like colored and stuff like that to make it look yeah. like a, a traditional anime. Really gorgeous, really realistic, very, there's very little stylization compared to a lot of other anime. Um, and quite grounded. It doesn't give a lot. It, it being only 45 minutes, it's a very tight story. And there is the sense of, Oh, there, there's a lot of lore that we're just not being told here. Um, Mm. because it does, it kind of gives you the bare bones of what you need. It's like, okay, there's these Mm. demons, they can shapeshift so they can look like humans, this girl hunts them. Um, And you're left with a lot of questions at the end of it, but it also manages to tell a reasonably satisfying story. It's not particularly emotionally deep. It's very much from the... It's very comparable, actually, to the Blade films. It's like, you don't know a lot about Blade, you don't get much of an emotional journey for Blade, but you get that he's a dude who kills vampires, and this is very much the character uh, uh, Saya. She's superhuman. She kills vampires. She's got a sword. She looks good doing it.
1: I, I remember this very distinctly because it, in it was like uh, late two thousand or something like that when it came out mm. on um, DVD and things, and it was advertised on all the stuff because they were pushing it so heavily. Like you know, it was Aniplex and IG mm. and they were like this is big because it's the future of animation um they weren't necessarily wrong it was a CGI animated uh or computer generated sorry computer assisted animation sort of mm. and it, it it is a very pretty it still maintains it's still really pretty yeah um and being only 45 48 minutes or whatever it is it's it's a very simple again short feature i think is the official term but it's effectively it's a short film it's, it's a mm. long episode like a pilot as it were and i know went yeah. to like an anime series and things and yeah, blah, blah, there, there but, were, yeah there were
3: there were spin-offs there were spin-off mangas and stuff like yeah, that exactly. kind of going almost like the reverse to the normal route um exactly. and there was a spin-off series and, and things like mm-hmm. that and a live action adaptation yeah. and again a slightly non-traditional one it was co-produced by a French company and a Chinese company with most of the production being done in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, it has, uh, and I should say, also both the original and the live action version are English language for the most part um, because it's set on an American base. Uh, it's primarily an English language. There's some very funny kind of telling details about how Japanese see American people. Oh, yeah. Um, like the government agents uh the kind of t- two men in black that kind of follow her and give her a- her assignments one of them's an African-American guy with like kind of not quite a full Afro, but like a kind of a bit like Samuel L. Jackson in uh, mm-hmm. Pulp Fiction kind of Jerry Curl, like s- small Afro. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, you would not have an FBI, a black FBI agent in 1966, but clearly the, <laughs> uh, the Japanese stereotype is like, oh yeah, you know, there's lots of black people in America. Um, We've seen it in the movies. It must exist. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the live action version makes quite a few changes. It essentially, it creates a American schoolgirl character who becomes rather than the, the school nurse who mm-hmm. witnesses the kind of the events going on. She becomes the witness to the, uh, the events and, and develops a friendship, uh, with Sire. And it actually, the, the live action version has a better emotional through line to it, but it's a lot less. There's some subtle elements to the original being set in 1966. It's like at the dawn of the Vietnam War. It's set on this US airbase. There's kind of things going on in the background and this kind of unspoken parallel between what's happening with with the fighting of the vampires and, and the idea of the Vietnam War. The live action adaptation basically robs that of any subtlety. I'm pretty sure it opens the first shot you see of the US airbase has war by uh, Edwin Starr coming up over oh, yep. war. What is it good for? It's like, oh, okay, we're we're not being subtle at all uh, in this adaptation.
1: It's like watching Suicide Squad.
3: Yeah, it also <laughs> does stuff like there's a weird kind of alternate reality slash time travel bit in the film where the characters go back in order to confront the the mother vampire who turns out to be uh, Sire's mother, and it's like, hang on, so is this have they really travelled in time, or is this just kind of a <laughs> a metaphorical representation of what's happening it gets very confused it doesn't have the quality obviously it's not gonna have the quality of animation it's not animated but it doesn't have the quality of visuals that the original did and in trying to expand on it a little bit it shows up the fact like the original is very bare bones but it's only 45 minutes long doesn't need to have a lot of You know, it does what it does and it gets out in exactly the right amount of time. In trying to stretch it to a longer, kind of what we would see as a more traditional feature length time frame, there's too much padding in there. Mm -hmm. It, It tries to throw in additional ideas and it answers stuff that was previously mysterious that is not that interesting, actually, when you answer it, because it's so generic a premise like teen girl hunting vampires they you know the 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 people behind it have said oh we were influenced by buffy the vampire slayer you know it's like yeah and you haven't really come up with a an interesting mythology to kind of call your own you've just it's just extremely generic and expanding it out doesn't help yeah in any way
1: yeah I i would say that the the move the 2009 movie blood the last vampire the first i don't know the train sequence, opening 10, 15 minutes, mm. really fucking good. Mm. I really enjoy it because it's a good adaptation of the opening train sequence, which is quite iconic in the actual in the animated mm. version. Classically, there will be purists saying, Wait, 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 the lead actress is Korean. It's like, Yes, mm. people won't be happy about that. It's like, and there's lots of like Western actors, and you know, and Americans and, and British people, and they're like, Yes, but that's not necessarily mm. un, un, unusual because of where it's set. That's fine. But as you've said, it tries to stretch out and pad out so much and give it more than it is that you end up with something that's like, this was a good concept as a short film. You've now made it something that's in fact really robbed of its um mystery and it's now unsatisfactory. And there are some cool bits, but ultimately... and this is something that's very true for a lot of live-action anime, it's forgettable, whereas the original animated piece was very, very standout and demanded your attention. Mm. Whereas it's just like, eh, it's another fucking generic looking thing.
3: Yeah, like, I mean, I think it speaks to the quality of the original. I saw it I, I think I think I owned it on VHS when it came out uh, back in two thousand, yeah. um, or probably two thousand one ish. And again I bought it because it was I think it was quite hyped around the time or it was something that got a lot of exposure in, in Western, it you know, it was in it was, yeah. SFX and Empire and stuff like that. And when I came to thinking like, okay, what can I watch? For this for this particular episode, mm. it's stuck in my memory enough that I was like, "Oh, I should see if they did a live." Oh, they did. Ah, oh, that's handy. There is nothing about the live action version that is going to stick in my like. I'm already struggling <laughs> to remember like character names and stuff like that. Apart from the 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 the, the cat, the teen girl that they invent, they bring in is called Alice, and there's a couple of really tortured fucking Alice through the looking glass uh, uh, yeah. stuff.
1: Oh god, classically. We're recording this obviously a, few, a while before the episode goes live. I bet you someone's say, "Tim, I've got to think about that." In terms, like, I've already forgotten. Yeah, enough time has passed now that I don't remember what you're talking about.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas the original stuck with me. Yes. Uh, and yes. even though it's it's very slight, it does what it does very well.
0: Oddly enough, on Rotten Tomatoes, both are on there, and interesting results. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Shall a, we say?
1: Can I take? Please
0: do, Matthew. Please do. So I'm smartometer think, I for the original
1: you, 2000 animated. I won't give you Short. exact numbers, but I'll give you my impression if you don't mind. I do mind. There's a visual impression, you didn't get it. Um uh no. I I I think that the aforementioned excessive hype that Tim was talking about, and it was everywhere. It was advertised. The original animated thing is not gonna be as huge as I would expect it to be, especially as it was also a 45-minute tech demo at t- if, if, yeah. <laughs> if you're been really derogatory. So for that, I mean, for example, put it this way, I would be surprised if half the people working on it end up working on the Animatrix on certain shots in mm. different animated films that way, because it's, it's that kind of like, this is a cool concept, but not for a whole film. Um, so, the, the thing and, it
3: weirdly reminds me of, uh, mm-hmm. to a certain degree, is Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow
1: oh yeah yeah where
3: you can see like the, the fact that that was the first film entirely shot on green screen you can imagine a lot mm-hmm. of filmmakers watching it and go oh they've done something really interesting here i'm going to steal a bunch of these tools and do something better with it
1: <laughs> did did you hear that about um there's an this is a bit anecdotal here, but uh, i can't remember the name of the directors who did the sky captain thing mm. and this one guy runs up he's really excited and he's like, oh my god that's so crazy you did all that he runs off and someone said do you know who that was and he's like no who J.J. Abrams And like, who's that? He'll be big soon. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he goes off and does a fucking Star Wars. Your um, kids are going to love it. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, if you want some numbers, I'll say Blood the Last Vampire, the animated version, maybe 50%, 55 And the live action one would have been crucified by fans who would then appreciate what it was only like nine years later. And it will be like 20%.
0: You're not far off, Matthew. Oh, okay. 47%? Ooh. For the original 2,000 animated shorts and 25 mm. for the live mm. action on the old Tomatometer, the audience score probably says a lot more. Unsurprisingly, for the original is 66. Okay, and the live action is 33.
1: Mm.
3: Yeah, uh, sixty probably a bit more accurate. Yeah, I, I I would have put it at the kind of mid 60s. So that it, that that seems fair. Yeah.
1: It's 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 not. Telling a specific story, it's it's very much a, a, a pilot episode. It's a, it's, mm. a, it's a it's a snapshot of something that could be. It's not necessarily a fully formed thing, but it looks very fucking cool. And for some people, that's more than enough.
3: Yeah, Matt. Hey, as our truly in the culture correspondent, I, be- <laughs> I
0: believe his title is Prince of the Weeb. This is established <laughs> now. This is canon.
3: Uh, what what have you brought for us, Inuyashiki,
1: Gesundheit. Okay, this is actually a very... I mean, it's like, oh, Matt's going to be going for some... Arguably obscure thing, yes, but something from the fucking <laughs> 90s, isn't it? Some older thing that we've never heard of. No, it's a thing from three years ago you've never heard of. <laughs> so, Inuyashiki is something I would genuinely recommend to both of you. Uh, both the anime and the live-action film. Interesting. I think they're both actually really good.
0: We, we will discuss this when it comes to Rotten Tomatoes in my anime list, that's for sure. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure what that means. I, I, was, okay. I was
0: pleasantly surprised. I was like, okay, okay, okay I, okay. I, I want to see this
1: then. The anime is from 2017. It is about an old ass dying. Okay, this is, it goes against everything in my being at the minute, living as a man in 2021, where the hero is an old man and the young man is 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 a villain. It's like, no, 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 no. Old people are out to kill me. <laughs> Fuck you. Um. So, yes. It's when you become the old man. I, I am an old man. I? So That's why I'm in. Oh, you bastard. So... There's an old man called Ichiro, and he is. What's his surname, Matthew? Yoshiki. Hey, <laughs> there, there we yeah. go. He is a very. Um, he's just a nice-ish guy in that he's a very <clears throat> uneventful person. This is this is back to the whole, you know, are you the person who's committing it and giving you oral? Are you the heartfelt, most energetic, most person? It's like. No, I'm just a guy who life has passed me by. He's meant to be 50. He looks like fucking 90. Um, <laughs> but, he's apparently 58, according yes. to the, the thing I've got in front of me. But he, but he, he looks hundred and fifty. <laughs> yeah. He looks decrepit. And he's he's dying, basically. Um, he buys a house for his family because he's like, I'm going to die, but I want to make sure they're secure. And they are ungrateful shits. And it's the classic, you know, I'm an old man. It's something that you know, Alan Bennett sort of play in this country. It's like, oh, it's a bit sad being old, but you know what? People uh, might appreciate me when I'm gone. <laughs> Maybe they'll give a thought and think he wasn't all that bad. That's basically the, how this premise sort of See starts. He's salad fingers. <laughs> <it>? <laughs> With I like a rusty spoon. <laughs> so this guy only his only friend is a dog that his wife won't let him keep. And while he's out in the park at one point, an alien ship accidentally smashes into him. And in an, in the briefest of moments, there's a conversation. You don't see the aliens, you just hear them, and it says, "We just smashed through two life forms." Oh, okay, damn, we gotta get off as fast as possible. Just reform them, just reform them, whatever we've got, and we're out of here. We only have weapons units, sir. Doesn't matter. We're got to go, and they're gone. And it is a bit of one of those classic things. I mean, I'm talking about like South Korean movies having always the statement about the div- the juxtaposition between the haves and have-nots. This is the classic, like, if you just crash land into someone's existence and you shake everything up but you leave no form of, like, actual responsibility. Kind of like if you were America dropping a bomb yeah. on somebody, <laughs> occupying and then leaving. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so he comes home and he's, suddenly his back doesn't hurt as much and he realises that after the incident, his glasses don't have any lenses in them, but he can see fine. It's the Spider-Man sequence in Toby Maguire in, in, in <laughs> the Sam Raimi movie. But then... He, he finds himself just very, very thirsty. And then he he goes to pet his dog and his hand turns into this huge weaponized gun, like the fucking gun from Fifth Element. And he goes, oh, oh! And he's running around and he feels sick and suddenly the gun shoots out all the stuff he was eating from the day before. And then he goes look in the mirror <laughs> and his whole body unfurls into this robot. He's like, oh! And he's freaking out. And the dog's like, oh shit. And then his, uh, I think his daughter comes in and he's like oh, all reformed back. He goes, oh, oh. He's like, why are you not wearing a shirt? Stop being weird. He's, <laughs> he's like, oh, what am I? What am, What is this? Now, he then sees someone being beaten up in the park by these yackers and these evil shits. And he uses his powers for good, basically. He's an old man who was, he's like old Stan Lee bringing his dukes up and he's like, you, you leave him alone. He's like, alright, old man, you want to go as well? Um, And also, similarly, they were beating up this homeless man in the park, if I remember correctly, and, and they're going to they're gonna actually genuinely kill him. And he sends off these flares and at the same time hooks into the like, Iron Man style system, records it, visually spots all the kids and puts it in the news so they're all exposed for the press and they'll get like, you know, expelled and rest and stuff. So he's sort of like, oh I could do stuff with this, but he's like actively trying to be a hero or not. I mentioned there were two people in the accident. The other one is a teenager and he's fucked up. He's a friend who loves manga and anime and stuff and he is a fantastic, a fantastic villain. And one of the most quoted things is "bung." He doesn't understand what he is or what his powers is. He's the same sort of thing, but he uses it differently. He goes to his friend and says, "Look, you see that crow in the distance?" He goes, "Yeah." He puts up a little finger gun kind of thing. Goes, "Bung," and the crow dies. He goes, "Oh, oh yeah, great. I, I do know that reference." He it, how, yeah. how did you do that? It's like, yeah, these kids beating you up at school. They're, yeah, I don't want to go back to He doesn't go back to school because he's being bullied. And then the you know he gets the bullies and he says, "You so said you want to go on the roof. Do you want to get beaten up as well?" He says, "No." And he just grips his arm and says, apologise. And he's like, oh, it's a typical school bully thing. And then they're on the roof later. And he says, oh, it's fine up here. And he goes, bung, bung, bung. Say, okay, what are we doing here? And he says, hands and binoculars. And he's looking around and seeing things. And then finally sees them on the floor, shot dead effectively with his, this thing. And they're just, they're just like exploded out. And he just goes around. He then breaks into someone's house. And the, this is what we talk about the adaptation from film and live action in a second. He goes into the house of this family. Uh, I think somebody goes to school with. Shoots the mum. Bung. She's dead. Goes into the bathroom where the dad is bathing the sort of like two or three year old daughter, this kid. Bung. The dad leans forward and the kid can't get out. And the kid drowns in the blood that the dad is bleeding out in the bath. Right. While, ki- while the kid is what wa- the, 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 the 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 antagonist is watching, waits for the daughter to come home and he, and he puts a gun to say, I can kill you, I killed your whole family. Manga, what's your favorite manga? What do you like reading? And she says, like, One Piece tag, Oh, One Piece, who's your favorite character? It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> um, and then at this point, the old man comes in and he shoots him as well, but he realizes he can't kill him. And he's like, oh, so must it mustn't must be working. He just runs around the street going, bang, 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 bang. It almost becomes silly because it's so he's like, literally, bang, by the way, is them saying bang or mm. peng in German, peng. Yes, it's, yeah. it's the equivalent it's saying bang, bang. That's the thing. He doesn't understand what he is. And by the end of it, they are having this huge. You know what happens when you give powers to humans? Do you go full evil? Full? Were you always this mm. way? That kind of thing? Not dissimilar to Death Note in that way. Very much so. Yeah. Um, it's 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 also CG, heavy CGI animation, but done very well and quite seamless in places. You can tell what it is, but it's it's done pleasingly. It's very absurd. Very unique visuals. Now translating that to a live action film. This sounds like this would not translate to live action in a million years. It shouldn't. It shouldn't work. <laughs> It works so well. (laughs) By Jove, it does. 2018, the year later, they bring a movie out. So they'll almost make these in in tandem, as it were. And again, it's based on a manga, so they've already got the thing established. It's not entirely a straight adaptation, because obviously there's no time. There are things that are decisions that framing, anime shots, all those sorts of things, are abandoned in favour of something that's approximation. And that's where, again, we'll come back to what don't be pure with certain things, but not everything. So, for example, that kid drowned in the bath, that ain't in it. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah still brutal i mean like really fucking hardcore brutal but in a different way in a in a filmic way should we say in in a morning but it still ends with them you know having jetpacks coming out of their spines and flying around <laughs> and punching each other and shit so it's still it's still nonsense by then still iron man shit at the end but it still looks really really good there's also really strange moments where ichiro realizes that he can resurrect people effectively he he sees a cat in the street and there's a little tiny mewling kitten and he just reaches hand out and realized he can heal the cat. And he's like, Oh, I can heal things. Whereas in the film version, accidentally resurrects a pigeon. He's like, oh, I can do this. And he goes to the hospital and heals a, a girl, basically, of your, a, a brain tumor. I want to say, and he's like, I can do stuff with this, but oh, fuck it's draining. It's it's it, yeah, it's very interesting in how it's presented. The CGI is extremely good. It's 2018. So like we, we mentioned this on the a little while ago with um Jack talking about full metal alchemist. We're at a stage now, the CGI is pretty impressive because even with a small unit, you can actually get quite decent visual effects and things and they know the limits and things. Uh, but the, the core is there, the core of the story of the powers and responsibilities and just this really brutally broken... Actually, both of them are kind of broken in a weird way and how society has rejected both of them and this is what happens when you reject people from the collective, when they're not part of the whole... Who knows what they could be doing? They could be an old man dying and not telling you. They could be a kid going out on a fucking you know killing spree. And if you're saying, well, that's a very Japanese thing, it's like you have school shootings almost every fucking day in the states. You know, it's that that classic like it's it's relatable characters to a degree in, in that regards. But um, it's a fantastic anime and one of the very rare examples of a really really good anime adaptation that's live action.
3: It reminds me a little bit of something I read a while back, which was pointing out how like there's loads of evil versions of Superman out in fiction.
1: Oh, yeah. And there's yeah, yeah.
3: quite a lot of evil versions of Batman as well, or, or like Batman, but something different happens and he gets fucked up. Whether those are like DC versions that are actual alternates to the character or like file the numbers off and like, here's our version of Superman, but he's fucked sure. up. There's very few, here's what happens when you take a, a downtrodden geek and give him powers, and it's actually awful, which is basically the Spider-Man story, yep. you know. And yep. and if you look at a lot of, you know, internet culture and, you know, how people are today and incels and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you got to be really fucking lucky with who th- you give those powers to because if you give them to the wrong nerd, you are going to have, you know, the superpower equivalent of mass shootings on your hands. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Chronicle is something that kind of touched on that a little bit.
0: Yes, mm, very much so. Yeah.
3: Um, and it sounds like this does a similar kind of thing, where it's like, yeah, no, the 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 with great power comes great responsibility is extremely true, and there's a lot of people out there who are not ready for the responsibility. Yeah, no, it does. It sounds like a really interesting one.
1: It is. I don't. I don't want to spoil things, but there's a moment where the there's a building um, basically explodes, and this the the old man character is trying to save this one character. Uh, just for the other kid to turn up and go bang, 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 bang. Not any fucking more. And he's like, no, I can bring her back. I can bring her back. It's like, bring her back from this shit. And he's like mm. holding her by the throat out the window saying, whoops. And it is, it also speaks a lot to the idea of generational divides. that punk kids are beating up old people and that's fucking disgusting. And that's kind of, like, you know, obviously we're talking about to a society where, you know, now on a Western side of things, like, no, our fiction is that kids are the future and they're going to have to escape these colossal, uh, colossally oppressive adults. And it's like, yeah, that's also in Japan, but also you've got the thing where, like, you know, it's not the same. So, yeah, it's, it, that kind of cultural divide might be a bit jarring to start with because we're not used to seeing that. We're used mm. to the heroes being the children, the Hunger Games style thing, like, oh, mm. there's bastard adults, we have to take the system down. Whereas this one, like, no. But I do I do genuinely recommend it. Um, I'm pretty sure... Not talking about being illegal here, folks. Inuyashiki is actually really hard to get a hold of, so I think you can watch the entire anime and also the film on YouTube. <laughs> you can. I just found it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I cannot stop enough. It's it's so wacky and so ridiculous. Cool dog. So it's in, in both the film and the anime. They keep that intact. They know what they know. What people want cool man with like, oh, I'm an old man, and oh shit, got backpack and flying away. And also
0: dog.
3: Do you want to give us the the numbers, Jack?
0: I was gonna say. The anime is actually available on Amazon Prime. Oh, brilliant. Well huh? for, U- for UK listeners. So, they also you know, have Jim on there as well. Included with Prime. One. Yes, it does. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, yes. Um. This is an interesting one. So the anime is called uh, Inuyashiki The Last Hero. Or La- Inuyashiki Last Hero, sorry. Currently has a 7.7 on my anime list. Mm. Popularity of number 320. It's a lesser known, mm-hmm. but obviously very popular. Still pretty new. Still pretty new. The film, however... Is one hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes? Wow! Audience <laughs> score of ninety. Holy shit! Tomatometer one hundred. How many? How many reviews Gru- is that? Very small, I imagine, because it's five. five.
3: There we go. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what I found so interesting. I'm like, oh, it's very obscure, but if you like it, you're fucking like it. Yeah,
1: I, I, <laughs> I genuinely feel it's it's the kind of thing that here's an interesting fact for you the director of the live action version also directed a death note not the death note yes oh. the the light up light the, the new, new world, world yeah, one which exactly. is the fourth one yeah which or fifth people mostly new think it's fine <laughs> mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Yeah, but, the
0: 2016
1: one. Yeah, but I was going to say the Inuyashaiki is actually so absurd, so cool, so ridiculous, and the execution is so faithful to the thing. Again, I saw the anime first and then the film. I knew what to expect, so I I should have been more critical and riled and like, oh, I don't want, I don't want to see a retread. I don't want to see this exact thing, same beat for beat. And it's like, no, they've made changes. The things here are correct. The anime is still better because it's more fleshed out and it's more detailed, obviously. But the film is good. It's kind of fun but grueling. I don't, if you do want to get into the anime, it is only 11
0: episodes long. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's a nice, tight little experience.
1: It's it's not a Naruto situation.
0: Well, that is some good, some bad, some 100% on Rotten Tomatoes (laughs) live action adaptations of anime that I now want to go and uh, check out. I'm definitely going to go and check out Inigashiki now. I'm I'm very, very intrigued. It's fucking great. Yeah. I I mean, with Bloodlust Vampire, it's like. 48 minutes so yeah that's fucking great you will go and check that out as that's well no watching. harm in that <laughs> no skin off my back <laughs> um, I I do not recommend the American death <laughs> note, to say the least but I do recommend the Japanese ones so folks mm. go out and enjoy some live action anime if you so wish if you have any suggestions about particular good ones particular bad ones things you'd like to see some adaptations that haven't happened maybe some anime you'd like to see transferred into the live action medium Power let us know no Matthew no it's already had one but it was not good good one a good one Hits <laughs> up on social media we are sequelizers on absolutely everything on twitter on instagram on facebook you can go to sequelizers.com you can find the links there to our patreon to our discord there is a dedicated anime channel in the discord if you want to talk anime mm-hmm. there's a films channel cover them both with live action anime <laughs> it's, it's everything you could possibly need it's a great little community in there um the three of us are always in their chat and then answering questions and True. discussing topics with the listeners and things like that. It's a, it's a great little group. So if you are into discord and all that kind of stuff, I highly recommend joining us. You can also find our shop, find our t-shirts, our posters. We're working on some new merch for 2021. Exciting things are in the works with Mr. John Scarrett. <laughs> we've seen some teasers. We've seen some little, or oh, I mean, I'm, I'm so hyped. It's So it's so cool. So it's like, we should have that coming out very, very soon. Fingers crossed. All that to look forward to. Like I said, sequelizers.com is the hub for everything sequelizers. You can follow me. I am JLW Chambers on, again, pretty much everything. If you want to chat anime, you want to chat Death Note theories and the analysis of the
1: various <laughs> types of light, hit me up. Matt, how about you? Stogs, S T O G H Z, on the social medias. You can go to the redrighthand.co.uk to read my reviews. Again, People might say there haven't been any recently. It's like, yeah, because there's nothing to recommend because people can't go to cinemas. I know you can watch things differently, but that's not the point right now. And cheesemint.com. You can go and see the stuff we've made, including a multi award winning live action anime web series featuring your boys. Um, Tim, if I was to draw you as a sweet, sweet, nubile <laughs> boy, I got nothing. I got nothing. Tim, where can people find you on the internet?
3: Uh trivia underscore lad on twitter is the best place to find me don't recommend me anime i there's already so many films i have to watch <laughs> <laughs> there's just so much goddamn content
1: uh, uh, that is that is a classic someone who's like i, th- I think there's even like a mighty keep sketch for that. It's like you know oh you need to watch this first though it's like yeah i'm just i'm just watching this now for now yeah
3: but yeah uh, that's that's where you can find me and interact with me you can just uh keep an eye and an ear on your podcast feeds because we'll be back We're getting pretty close to the start of season eight at this point.
2: Mm.
0: It's coming. Get hyped, ladies and gentlemen. Get hyped. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with more interseason goodness. See you then.